welcome everybody to the 89th episode of Sports Goofs. I am Francisco, joined by my good buddy Charles. Andrew cannot be with us, unfortunately, tonight. However, we do have a pinch hitter in some sort of way. We are welcoming John Hartophilus from Gen Z Hoops. John, welcome to the show. Thank you both so much for having me. I'm really excited about this. All right, so everybody, welcome. It's been a week, another week of sports. Things have happened. NFL, divisional round. NHL finally started their season. NBA, massive trade went down. So things are happening. Things are happening, and we're going to comment on them. So I usually start the show, John, on what games did we watch over the last week because uh, this is sports. We, we like watching sports, and uh, I, I'll list off what I saw. Uh, I saw the Heat and Pistons game last night. That was a good win for the Heat. I saw the Florida Panthers home opener versus Chicago Blackhawks to start the season. Panthers won that game. I, I saw two NFL games, the Los Angeles Rams versus the Green Bay Packers because my boy Aaron Rodgers trying to shut up my Charles here. And, of course, the, <laughs> the Baltimore Ravens versus the Buffalo Bills. So those are the games that I saw that I was able to sit down and watch. What about what about you, Charles? What would you see? Man, why is the NFL playoff so bad? That's the, that's the question I want to answer. But I, I watched – all sports relevant except for the Rams game because you know, my, my great belief that Aaron Rodgers is overrated keeps blowing up in my face. But I think it's because the crescendo is coming. Okay. So I didn't watch that one, but I watched Buffalo and Baltimore in a very snoozer kind of game, mm-hmm. which has kind of been the running theme of the NFL playoffs. And then I did watch the Sunday games with the Chiefs and the Browns, which was very interesting to me because everybody – Everybody just became a Browns fan over the weekend, the minute that Patrick Mahomes had a concussion. And I was like, ah, you guys yeah. love crapping on them, so now you did this. Mm-hmm. And then the Saints-Bucks game, everybody went from being a Drew Brees fan to a Tom Brady fan uh, that night, so that was interesting. And then yesterday I watched Brooklyn and Milwaukee. I want to see how Brooklyn worked with their shiny new toys, and then I was keeping live updates with the Heat game with you, you know, going on from there. And that's kind of what I watched going into it. And I don't know if I wasted the weekend or I enjoyed the weekend. That's how I look at it over the sports view. All right. How about you, John? Were you able to sit down and watch any games over the last week? Of course. So I, I saw a couple of the NFL playoff games. And while I'm not the biggest NFL fan, it's always fun to sit down and watch a good game with a bunch of your friends. So that was a fun time. And then in terms of basketball, last night I actually saw both the national TV games with the Nets and Bucks game, which went down to the wire with, with KD hitting a – well, bo- both both games with hit, KD hitting a miraculous shot to win the game. And then same thing over when the Lakers played the Warriors and Steph Curry hit a, hit an insane shot over over AD with that double uh, – that between the legs behind the back move he hit. So both – I mean, two really great games. They both went down to the wire where kind of one team was leading for the majority of the game and then they just kind of made it interesting towards the end. So always fun to watch something like that. Okay. Well, John – Welcome to the show. We're glad to have you here. So uh, we're going to introduce people to you, uh, at least our audience to you. And and uh, so you have your own podcast, Gen Z Hoops, and you have a lot of other things that you're juggling around. And you are you you already made us feel old. So that's <laughs> you, you you're in college right now. So you're juggling a lot of those things. But give us an introduction to yourself. 
Oh, of course. So I'm a junior at Brew College in New York City. Um, I graduated from Xavier High School three years ago, two, two and a half years ago. Actually, I don't want to, I can't get myself that much. But after graduating from Xavier, I started coaching the freshman team there. Absolutely love doing that. That's the one thing that, I mean, and I'm blessed to say that's the one thing that COVID took away from me and the fact that we, we're not having a season this year. Mm-hmm. But in the in the meantime, in, during the quarantine, I, I tried to start as many basketball initiatives as possible because before the pandemic, um, through, a, through a connection uh, at Xavier, I ended up actually visiting the NBA office in Secaucus and was told, uh, quite frankly, you know, this resume is full of stuff that has nothing to do with basketball. This is the NBA. If you want to ever work here ever, you need to populate this thing with basketball. We need to know that you're a freak because everyone here is a freak, right? So how are you going to stand out? So basically from March until the pre- you know, now, 10 months later, I've been trying to do whatever I can to just, okay, what can I do in the basketball space, right? And, it's, and a lot of people will say about how difficult it is to really make it in the sports industry. But it's really just about it's, networking is the biggest part of it. So it started off with something that had nothing to do with sports, actually, in the first two months, where one of my, my best friend in college started a COVID-19 fundraiser called the Making Lemonade Fund. And through that, we raised $100,000 in about two months, which wow. was, we, you know, we, we, hit, we hit our goal way faster than we thought we would. It was a, it was a group of over – the main core of the group was 50, was 50 students, um, college kids from all around the country. But the total group in terms of – whether it was donor, donors or people that you know were set up in their schools to do something, it was closer to four to five hundred. So that was a huge thing. But I thought to myself around June, it's like, okay, I'm doing all these great things and helping other people's brands, but I need to do something for myself. I need to do something to kind of better myself and, and something that I can own, quote unquote. So that's what kind of birthed the podcast. And I started off with Big Fellas Basketball and doing player breakdowns to just show I know the game. But after realizing that that's not the most fun thing ever people were telling me I, I have good friends that told me that the show was kind of boring i pivoted to doing interviews and i, I could talk about the, the kind of work it went into in, in terms of making those 50 episodes in six months even even four months almost because the first two months um totaled about five episodes being that it was so hard to get started but once i really kicked into gear around september uh, those next four months was just I, I was interviewing all these different people just by li- reaching out to thousands of people a day on on linkedin or emails or cold emails whatever whatever it might be so that's really how I got my foot in the door with the podcasting thing. And then to, to, in terms of to give you the complete story in terms of um, what I'm what uh, the other the last I'm up to is my work with X2 Performance. Uh, I'm a sales and marketing intern for them. It's a super small team of five people um, running a, a, a sports drink brand that's um, invested in um, kind of Kawhi, Kawhi Leonard's an, an investor and on the board of directors for us, mm. which is which is unique because Kawhi rarely attaches his name to anything. So it's a super small team where it's basically just the CEO, the VP of brand development, you know, let's say the VP of finances and then me just, you know, and we're on the calls every morning trying to wow. figure out how we're going to build this brand, um, which is crazy. And, and, and being an intern in something like that, obviously, like normally as an intern, you have a, a much smaller role, but it's really eye opening to me as to how yeah, much you're, you're not um, just I'm, uh, I'm getting coffee for people and anything like that. You're actually in no, of course. doing things. No, of course, whether it's sitting in meetings or making uh, big uh, giant uh, pitch decks for investors and it's it's really opened my eyes to. I mean, number one, I I I do a lot through that, uh, maybe more than an in, an intern, you know, sh- maybe should be doing or, or normally would do. But I, the experience I've taken from that and, and what it's kind of hopefully going to do for me going forward is is immense, and I, I, that's what I hope for it. Um, so that's kind of where I'm at now. Whether I'm I'm kind of juggling, um, X2 performance, the podcast, the sports business club, which I I neglected to mention. Uh, to try to uh, to in, in the in in the in the uh, interest of time to not go into too much about the sports business club, but that's another thing at Baruch that I tried to start over the last few months um, to really just kind of bring that sports business because I'm an operations man, uh, management major and there's no sports business major at Baruch. So there's, I'm, I'm trying to find a way to kind of get all these students and, um, as many as I could as possible mm. to kind of build this network of, of, of young 
people that want to get into this industry because there's so many people that want to do it, I'm, me, me included. And it's so tough to know where to start. Once you start, it's easy. Um, it's just figuring out where to start. And that's why getting into the industry is hard. But for some, but once you're on a roll, you're on a roll. And that's, that's what I hope to maybe help others do and also kind of get started on myself, on myself with that. Yeah. No, it, it's, it's amazing how because you're probably like 10 12 years younger than i am right now but it's amazing how just wanting to do something and just doing it and then reaching out to people and then you'll eventually get somebody to notice and then give you the opportunity or you make the opportunities for yourself so like for me i i wasn't even into hockey when i was a kid or anything like that but i became interested when i was starting out in college and my sister was a uh, dating he's not my brother-in-law but he was into hockey and everything like that and i was like okay then i started latching onto a team florida panthers and then like i started writing some articles about because I, I like to research and check out history sports history that type of thing and eventually the uh the 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 site founder of the, the sb nation's panthers site was like hey you you know you write some pretty good things you get some nice uh clicks on our on our, our, our uh, website and hey why, why don't you why don't you join the staff? I'm like, sure. And then next thing you know, I'm um, I'm covering games. I'm sitting with uh, the team president talking to me about hockey. And then I'm like, how did I even get here? And it's been long running. I'm still doing it. But it's something that's that's you just have to do it for yourself. And you never know. You, you just never know. And now I'm making a podcast with my good buddies. And, and we're talking to people in the industry, which is amazing really it's amazing right? how, how Always. it's, so cool. it's so amazing cool. how 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 many there there's so many sports media people out there that are willing to just come on over sit down doesn't matter how big you are you know we're not dan levitard we're not any of those people like that but they'll they'll give you the time if you're just a good person and they and they might have a connection to you so like we got uh, our connections because andrew went to central florida and he reached out to these guys who went to Central Florida too. That you know covers the Marlins, covers the Pacers, and next you know we're talking to them on the show, and and you're doing the same thing. People that went to to Xavier, and and because I've noticed that a lot of people have connections to 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 the city out there. So it's just about doing it and figuring it out and reaching out to people. So so all right now. Your big thing is basketball. Yep. That's your goal, right? Is to eventually, I don't know what, what's what's your what's your end game here? Is it to to be a sports business, create a sports business company, or work for the NBA, or or who knows? Because there's there's lots of stories of of people in sports right now. Uh, case in point, Florida Panthers general manager. He grew up in Wisconsin. Was the bat boy for the Milwaukee Brewers when they went to the World Series. Then he went to Yale. And then he was on the Yale hockey team, and then he became a coach on that team. And then he went to law school, became an attorney, started his own sports agency for years, representing hockey players, and then learning from scouts, learning from, from GMs. And then next thing you know, he's working for the, the minor league team for the Columbus Blue Jackets. And then now he's the general manager of an NHL team. So it's amazing his journey from bat boy in, in high school a general manager of a major professional sports team so is that something you're you're aspiring to get to a hundred percent i mean 
being that I'm so young, I try to take a lot of the advice that Gary Vaynerchuk does, gives, and a lot, if you've ever heard him speak, a lot of times he'll say to like thir- to forty year olds or fifty year olds, "You're an and he, you know, I don't, I'm not going to say it, but you're an effing kid, right? That's what he always says in terms of you're going to live your life, you know, with modern medicine so many more times. Everyone thinks that you know if you're you know you have to have everything figured out by the time you're twenty, twenty one, twenty two, and I'd like to think that I'm doing an okay job at that. Where I I, I know that. I mean, I'm pretty confident in saying that the rest of my life will have a lot to do with basketball just because of how obsessed I am over it. But that being said, though, it could be the, the, the general being a general manager is kind of like my end goal right now in terms of that's kind of the biggest thing I could do in the in, in the basketball world. I mean, maybe be the, you know, can be in the commissioners a slightly bigger goal, maybe. Yeah. Um, but it, it really is just like that's kind of what everyone's dream job is. And like when you talk to anyone, you talk to someone that's that just it says, oh, I want to get into the sports industry. Ask them, what, what do you want to do? They'll say, I want to be an NBA GM. But my whole thing is I would like to think of like, OK, it's not just that I want to be a GM. It's that this is my steps to doing that right now. My hope would be for the next few years, to, well, at least for the, for the next few months, even just to get this podcast really rolling to where Gen Z hoops, which is what I cha- it used to be big fellas basketball. We've since rebranded to Gen Z hoops. I really want to turn into more of a network, right? And I, I've mm-hmm. hired a team of interns. We're, 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 there's a team of 12 interns, whether they're doing editing or research or my division experts that are kind of giving breakdowns on their division, one of the six divisions every week. That's kind of how I'm growing it now over the next few weeks. But in the next few months, I, I hope to give everyone their own show and kind of build it out that way. So, and then, but that's the thing that, that, that only will take six months. How about the six months after that or the year after that or the two years after that? That's where I'm hoping things come into place where, okay, I'm, I'm working for a team. I'm doing stuff like that. And, and that's, that's kind of where my, my sights are now. But in terms of past that, the, the ultimate goal would, of course, be to kind of reach what's the pinnacle of that is, is to be an NBA GM. But maybe once I get to that point I'm, and I'm 30 and I, I've actually experienced what it's like to maybe be that, I might want to do something else, whether it's, you know, whether maybe coaching is my passion. I, I enjoy it now at Xavier. I'm not sure I'd enjoy it at another level or at another, at another institution because the reason I like it is, the, is how comfortable and how – how much I just love being at Xavier. That's kind of why I love coaching there. But maybe that becomes a reality over the next few years where I end up you know, going towards that side. Or maybe, I mean, the other, the other thing that we were completely neglecting and saying this is the job I might hold in 10 years might not even exist right now. Like people That's 10 years ago that are working in social media right now, their jobs didn't exist in 2010. Then Instagram true. came along and all that stuff. And now there's actual jobs and people are, there's college classes for social media. Yeah. Uh, maybe in 10, 15 years, my job doesn't exist. So I, I would I, I, I try to say NBA GM right now just because that's the big lofty goal that everyone has. And I think that, OK, why can't it be me? There's, there's, there's only 30 jobs and it's incredibly competitive. But if I do everything right from you know, the age of 20 to 30 or 35, why can't that be me one day? Um, yeah. But it really does. It, it really does. The, it really could change. And, it, and the, the, the pathway of me getting there is is really just putting my all into these initiatives now and see and, and just kind of building off that because the internship at x2 came from the making lemonade fund where someone there saw me saw the work i was doing video editing and said you know what you'd be great for this next uh, opportunity yeah the podcast is building up on itself and hopefully that'll lead to something with with the nba um oh. through that through that same connection from before and they all kind of build on each other and if i just keep on worrying about where i am now as opposed to like a lot of people might get caught up in saying, I'm going to ask someone for a job and I'm just going to skip those steps. And, you know, all the thing about is that GM spot. I'm worried about right now. Mm-hmm. How can I do this to the best of my ability? Because that's what's going to get me recognized by the people in those spots for sure. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, because it can be daunting to to see, OK, NBA GM and then all the steps that you have to get to 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 become that. It can be daunting, but it's like, OK, if I focus on what I can control now, then I can I, I can get there little by little and chip away at it. So let me let me ask you about your show. 
So Gen Z Hoops, you said it was originally called Big Fellas Basketball. When did you start? So I started, it, this was an idea in my head for, for over two years before this. Um, I was a freshman in college, and my, my best friend in college, Jesse K, who actually started the Making Lemonade Fund as well, he had a show called 20 Under 20s that he since actually changed to the Trendsetters podcast. Um, at 16 years old, he was having on Mark Cuban, Jack Dorsey, Adam Schefter, these huge guests. And the reason he, he, that happened was because he was relentless in, 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 in the same thing I'm doing now, in cold emailing and, and reaching out to people. Jack Dorsey, the story with him was he went on Jack Dorsey's Twitter Live in 2016 and spammed him saying, I'm 16 years old, please call my podcast a thousand times. And Jack Dorsey DM'd him on Twitter saying, like, how do we set this up? Je my friend Jesse took a flight with his, with his mother, because he was 16 at the time, from New York to Seattle, Washington to meet with Jack Dorsey. Wow. So he would always tell me about the, and the reason I'm saying, talking about my friend so much is because he would always tell me these stories my freshman year and say, dude, you got to start a show. You're, I, you know, you're, you're, you're energetic, you're enthusiastic, you're, you're passionate, you have to go into this. And I was always hesitant because it, it's scary. Right? What are people going to think about my show? Um, it's, it's gonna, I'm not going to get Jack Dorsey on the first day, so my show's not going to be as, as you know, it's, gonna, it's not going to be as much as, as, as good, right? Um, those were always things that were in my head, and it prevented me from starting for you know, over a year and a half. Um, the, the, the pinnacle of it was we went to go see the Bucks play the Nets um, through, the, um, connect, through some of the, the things I do with Super League Athletic Academy, which is another um, basketball um, initiative. But... We're sitting there in the stands and all the players are coming out and all the kids and the parents are going crazy over Chris Middleton, Brooke Lopez. And all of a sudden, Mike Budenholzer comes out. And I make the comment to my mm. friend Jesse saying, wow, wouldn't it be cool if I went up to him and said, hey, coach, you know, hey, coach Budenholzer, I'm a 18-year-old you know, high school basketball coach. I love this play you ran out of the timeout in the second quarter. You know, maybe I showed him some of my work and he offered me a job, right? Wouldn't that be cool? And my friend looked at me dead in the eye and said, or you can ask him to come on your podcast. And I was like, wow, it's really like that, like that makes so much, it's, it's not like, it's not just a show. It's, it's a, it's a, it's a networking tool. It's, mm -hmm. it's basically a, a walking resume or, or a walking business card on yourself to say, Hey, look, I, I recorded all these episodes. So even then though, even after that moment, it took me a few months to get started where I, I needed a global pandemic to smack me in the face and say, Hey, look, you have all this free time. You better do something with it. I think we all did um, that really. A lot of people took different initiatives during the, the pandemic as far as what they wanted to do as for and, and podcasts but a lot of people started podcasts and you know i'm we're doing the same thing of course i'm not doing this for any sort of we do this for fun this this is our our way of unwinding from our careers we're, we're attorneys and so uh we we use this as a form of something get away from from our normal day-to-day -day type of stuff but i also like the grind of doing this i mean i've been doing this since i was in high school too this i love creating media and things like that so it's just a, a matter of, of of doing it and putting on the show but it's really interesting starting up these podcasts and reading about data reading about you know burning out reading about people who can't even keep go past the seventh episode and you've, you've done 50 we've done 89 and you know regardless of look it, it's a grind it is a grind you have to grind there's no other way there's not going to be some magical fairy unless you unless you you have the connection of all connections to to start your first show and it's like oh yeah i got i got mark cuban or i got lebron james on my first episode and you got a hundred thousand people listening to you on day one that's not going to happen for most everybody so 
I think we love the evolution too, because when yep. the pandemic started, I think our initial reaction was, "How the hell?" We were thinking cancel time, right? Because yeah. no stores, no combo. So, so that was something that was daunting. So that, I, I that, like the that. idea that we've all of us have been able to respectively find a way. And I will say this for both of your points: it's not just the grind. I love how it's kind of caused us to think outside of the box. And Francisco has kind of been our our key guy and finding different avenues of media. He got us a website now. I wrote a blog, man. I'm 31 years old. I don't like to write anything that's not legal, but I hate writing legal, but it's the idea to initiate that creativity and think about, can I get this guest? Can I get that guest? It's such a great feeling because even though you have 50, 50 is huge. And after 50, you can still think about how to get to 60 and 70. And you'll be thinking of these new ways. And it's a great tribute to kind of get to that point and still be fresh in the midst of, you got to think of what you've been able to cover, especially if you're a big sports fan for basketball, you had a bubble season and now you have the rebirth of a new season that might lead to another bubble season. So there's going to be these ideas warping to your brain. And then when you get more people on there, you know, you don't, you might get the liaison the political, you know, the, the representative, the publicist, whoever, you, you know, maybe your connections working with Kawhi's brand too. What does that land you too? You got to put that name out there, man. It, it was like, it reminds me a lot when I was cold calling for my first internship because I didn't know anybody when I was, where I was living, right. You know, to find a legal job. So I basically put in some numbers, I looked at the Google and I said, Hey man, you want a free attorney or a free intern? coming into it i'm in law school whatever and they say yep and you learn for that way so it's like you're you're opening yourself to other people and also you're finding out what your grid is and i love that yeah so john so when, when was your exact first episode when when did you first publish that yep so my goal was once the making lemonade fun stopped in may my thought process case i'm gonna start this podcast the hard deadline i put on myself june 20th because i turned 20 on june 21st last year so my thing was of 2020 yes okay so right. my whole thing was i'm going to no matter like no matter what if the, if the first episode sucks i'm posting an episode on june 20th that's my goal mm. because I was, I was i went through fiverr to get all my logos and stuff i was making sure my intro was good and all that and i was i was researched but i said if i keep on pushing this there's no way this is ever going to happen so this is the hard deadline um and what do you know like the last three four days i was like oh cr like you know i really need to to get this thing to to happen and that's and that's where i really started get moving right where i was actually um, on, you know, really going as hard as I could to get everything set up to, for that launch date. Um, I launched with three episodes the first day. Um, but what I realized was, I mean, I had six episodes over the course of two months because it was so difficult to kind of, well, to, whether reaching out to people or just kind of figuring out on my own. I, I had on, it was the first episode was, a, was an episode of just me. Second one, I had my best friend Jesse on, obviously, right? He came on. Um, and then the next one was another one of my friends that had a podcast. Then it was one of my childhood coaches. And that's really all I had for almost two months to show for it. And it was about, it was about episode six. That, that, that's what I had. It's, it's interesting that you said the seventh episodes where people quit. Because yeah. I've read that before as well where a lot of people can't get past that. There was a time in, in July where I thought, okay, wow. like everyone's, you know, I, I'd get made fun of for the podcast. People like, oh, look, big fella's basketball. I'd, I'd go to the park and go up for a dunk. And everyone's like, oh, big fella's basketball. Right? And it, it, it's, it's hard to get through that point. But what I realized was, okay. I'm not giving up on this. If I reach out to a thousand people, I'm going to get one. And the first guest I had on, so June 20th was my start date. About two months later, in August, around August 20th, is when I got on Coleman Ayers, who's someone maybe no one know, or may, uh, no one might know. He's he's a small uh, basketball YouTube trainer with a now he's at 300,000 followers, uh, yes. subscribers. But in the grand scheme of things, he's not a the biggest. You know, he's not Drew Halen who was on episode 50, right? Coleman Ayers is much smaller. He's a 21 year old trainer. 
but he's someone I was watching for three years. I, I was he for some somehow he came up on my on my YouTube play, page when I was seventeen, you know, trying out for my high school team, and I thought, okay, wow, like he's someone I thought was untouchable, and now he's responding to me, giving me his phone number, and now we're on a podcast together. That turned into Alan Stein, who turned into the Bone Collector, who turned into uh, Howard Beck, yeah. who turned into the you know Tommy Shepard, yeah. who now who's, who's the most recent one? Um, well, Matt Matt is the Xavier guy, but in terms yeah. of other like cold emails and stuff, I would say the big the oh Kelly Uber Kelly Uber Senior is coming on next week. Like, why am I talking to Kelly Uber Junior's dad? Like, how does that even happen? Um, <laughs> wow. like, like that's that, that's not normal. Like, that's not what people do. But it's by the fact of okay, I I reached out to everyone I possibly could, and people started spreading the word out to where Kelly Oubre's dad happened because I had an interview with Dan Hughes and then someone else who had an interview with Dan Hughes knew Kelly Oubre senior well and said, Hey, look, I think Kelly would be a uh, Mr. Mr. Oubre senior would be a great guest for your show. Awesome. Like that doesn't happen if I don't have Dan Hughes on who's completely unrelated to like, there's no connection there. There've been guests that have come on. It's, it's interesting because everyone kind of assumes that because I had Tommy Shepard on my show that I'm going to work for the wizards next year. Right. Or something like that's going to happen. But that's not even how it works. Like, t- like I've had, like Tommy Shepard's. Uh, he's he's one of the people on my show that you know could hire me yesterday if he wanted to, right? If he if he wanted to, he could be like, oh, you know, let me give John any job he wants. But obviously, that's not that didn't happen. But you'd be surprised at how many other smaller guests have actually ha- helped us have helped accelerate my career way faster or or, or 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 way more in the short time I've known them. And even though there's someone that no one would get excited over, like no one, no one would get excited over, over, over them, but they're the ones that actually help me out the most. So it's kind of crazy to think about kind of the way networking works. And once you actually go full in on experience and you'll kind of figure that out, it's, 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 it's insane. Yeah. Yeah. No, it, it did the same thing for our show. And, and, and really, I think there should be, when you're doing something like this, when you're doing something on your own and, and you're in, honestly, you're putting yourself out there. We're all putting ourselves out there. You know, one of the, one of the biggest fears that people have, they, it's always like that's that stat that's like, okay, it's uh, it's number one is death, number two is like public speaking or something like that. <laughs> Those are like the top two things people fear the most. And it really, that's something that you learn. I mean, I took public speaking in, as a college class way back in the day. So uh, it's something that you kind of have to get over in order to be doing things like this i mean we're attorneys and we have to speak in front of judges and things like that so you can't you can't be afraid when you have somebody's life on the line so really doing this is all right let's just talk about sports and even if we don't really know anything we're going to talk about it anyways and if we don't know anything we can bring somebody on who does know something and ask them and they can teach us about something new so it's interesting that you said some people were making fun of you for that. Where it's like, wow, you put yourself out there. If anything, you should be commended for that. You should be. It's like you're. It's it's being it's being brave out there. And then, and then once it starts rolling, once you start seeing some modicum of success, once you see that that you're trending upwards, then it's like, okay, I've got something going here. I don't know how long this is going to take. I don't know how long I'm going to be able to do this. But I'm going to enjoy the ride for now, and we're going to see where it takes us. And that's kind of what we're doing with this show. We're, we're we're along for the ride, and we're enjoying it right now. And it's amazing that you did that during the the pandemic, and uh, people were trying to find things to do. Heck, we were trying to find things to talk about for like we did like twelve. We to, had two three months yeah. of just you know me saying innate things and yeah. wrestling. I think we, took a big big you know front seat there we, for a minute. We literally had Walk an episode. We literally had an episode where we're like, let's just hop on Wikipedia and click on the first sports-related article, and we'll go down a rabbit hole and see where it takes us for two hours. So it's it's amazing what 
you can do trying to put on a show and I love the creativity aspect to it. I don't know if you, if you kind of get that dopamine hit of of creating something new or, or or trying to come up with something new like okay, what what angle can we do here? What can I do now? I don't 100%. know if you feel that. I would say the biggest dopamine hit that no one can understand why it happens to me is when I get a notification from LinkedIn on my phone. I have a different sound yeah. for it and whenever that happens you like everyone that's with me sees it my face lights up it's like okay who's this because sometimes sometimes okay i open it up and it's 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 that someone liked my post or it's that someone maybe that is completely obscure or that i don't know their name connect send me a connection request but other times it's like okay drew handling and accepted my connection request or I, I i don't know george Murison when he did that i was shocked it's like oh my god he's you know the you know the guy, guy i've only played in a, within a video game before is now gonna have a conversation <laughs> with me um, so it's kind of those moments that just kind of give me the big, and there's some, it's funny, there's some people on LinkedIn that like, I'm not sure if they run their own accounts, but I've had Spencer, Spencer Dinwiddie, I think he's very active on there. He just hasn't come on there. He just hasn't responded. But like, I was like, Spencer Dinwiddie, like, this is crazy. Like, it's guys like that that give me the, the I can't even describe the dopamine rush I get from that feeling of excitement, getting, getting, getting the notification for sure. Yeah. Okay, John. So what are, I mean, you're a huge basketball fan. What, what, what teams do you follow? And uh, in, in, in sports do you follow? I mean, what have you grown up playing and things like that? I mean, I grew up playing baseball, played it in high school, and then I don't. And then I told you about how, how I got into hockey. So, um, for me, uh, I guess introduction to whoever's listening to this right now: South Florida teams, Miami Marlins for baseball, Florida Panthers, obviously for hockey. And I'm watching the hockey game on the side right now because I need to keep tabs on them. Miami Dolphins, unfortunately for football, and Miami Heat for basketball, which is been great for me <laughs> over the last few years and then i went to college florida state got a master's at florida atlantic and then fiu but florida state's my main college team with regards to anything really if they're doing great in football basketball or baseball whatever i'm for them and then charles charles how about you how about you I mean, just kind of taken from the top, New York Yankees fan, Tennessee Titans fan, which was always a fun story. Long story short, I didn't get to football until much later in life, but I always kind of liked that grit that uh, Steve McNair and Eddie George was kind of bringing to it. Of course, we have Javon Curse, the freak, bringing into it. So, you know, I was around, I would say, 1996, 1997, but, you know, not the diehard and... I live closer to the Tampa area, so the Buccaneers is kind of like a weird secondary team, but it's not a team I would advocate because Jameis and because Tom, there was like, those are like the, oh, hey, we're the cool uh, we're the cool guys that rent somebody over. Like, I don't want to be part of that team. It's okay. You know, football, college football is the U, and it's weird because I feel I never went to the University of Miami, but living in Miami for, you know, for, what, three, four years of my life and being part of that culture in South Florida, prior to that, I kind of gravitate towards it because I went to FAU, for my bachelors and the big names we have is Alfred Morris and you know, now Denton Singletary, but you know, at that time, you know, go actively there. Andrew, who hopefully you get to speak to one day, John is a diehard UCF fan, mm. like, you know, lives and breathes it, probably knows everybody in their name. And then of course, basketball, it's the Miami heat. Really. It's just a, we've been enjoying it, even though we don't talk about the finals, but it had happened. We'll accept it one day. That's kind of like my story. In hockey, I mean, it's weird. It's like I enjoy the sport, but because it's not on my TV so much, I can't follow into it. And then some other side stuff. I love wrestling. Guys can tell you that. You know, ridiculous. I know it's fake. It's beautiful. It's scripted. I do like me some boxing. But right now, it's kind of like the downturn boxing because the pandemic, but also promoters mess up everything. And then I'm trying to, for to for like a new program, I'm trying to get back into other combat sports like UFC, but God, I really don't like what Dana White does half the time. So that's just more on my end of what I do. 
and what I like. Yeah, how about you, John? Oh, for sure. So growing up in New York, I mean, even though I've never seen a competitive Knicks team other than 2013, oh, um, I've, I've, it's it's sad. I know. I've, I've, it's funny. People ask me like, oh, like, you know, you're a Knicks fan. You remember the 90s? I'm like, well, I wasn't It's amazing the how but, much James Dolan owns both the New York Knicks and the New York Rangers. And they're such polar opposites as far as how their organizations are run. He doesn't le- he doesn't touch the Rangers. Like, I honestly think he doesn't care about them. He just has them because they're, they're a moneymaker at MSG. And they do all right. They do fine. They're 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 okay. But he's, oh man, with the Knicks, it is just a completely different story. Yep, I could. Oh my God, it's it's bad. Um, and then the one bright spot I had in my childhood was Porzingis, and then that was taken away from me as well. And it's it's I was at the game when it happened because of my affinity for Giannis. And you know, of course, the, the injury was you know where, where Porzingis dunked on Giannis and then got hurt. It's I I could talk about that. And I might start crying if I do. So I'm gonna stop right there. Um, <laughs> But in terms of my my fandom, I mean, really, it's Knicks and Nets. I'm, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna hate the Nets. Also, I mean, also going to a bunch of their games, being they're, they're nearby, that they have a competitive team, they're, they're a fun arena, fun atmosphere. I, I I do like both teams. I would take the Knicks over them just because of the the history there and and you know being from Queens and all that and, and all that and, and and of course my my upbringing. But in terms of like the NBA team, who I follow the most, it has to be the Milwaukee Bucks because of Giannis. But it has nothing to do with Milwaukee. I owe nothing to the city. If if he leaves, I leave. It's kind of kind of similar to how many people treat it kind of LeBron. But it's it's more mm-hmm. of a personal thing with with me and Giannis based on having met him a bunch of times through a bunch of Greek initiatives and you know his his brothers and everything. He, there's just a lot more kind of attachment there with Giannis. Mm-hmm. But those are that's kind of who I follow in in, bat, in the in, on the basketball side of things and just kind of outside of that. I mean, I try to follow. It, it's 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 weird because. As, as much as I've always loved the NBA, it's impossible to watch all 30 games. So I feel like, I mean, now hopefully I become a much more knowledgeable fan because I'm, you know, working with all these, the, 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 the division experts I mentioned earlier, and they're kind of just, I'm learning so much by actually following every single team every single week. Um, so hopefully I'll be able to follow, like, hopefully in the, in the next few weeks I'll be able to say that I follow more teams than just those three. But those are kind of my main ones now. Yeah, it's amazing how, because we've had some college football writers on our show. It's amazing how, how I much a lot of them too. Yeah, when you yeah, think about it, yeah. But it's amazing how much because they they are, they're so they're specialized in, in in covering college football for SiriusXM or or what have you. But how much they consume of those sports and how it's 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 amazing. Like like I cover hockey, but it's the Florida Panthers, and and I I have peripheral knowledge of every other team out there, their major players and things like that. And I'm of course watching you know what goes down with trade and things like that but people who are sports media insiders in the industry they consume so much sports and i I, shameless plug to andrew because our own andrew is on the national championship game for as a what credential writer for yeah for Reddit, reddit yeah yeah, for reddit and you know he he really fits that mold for diehard for the sport to me, you know, of that of that expertise. I'm just saying that that people who dedicate themselves to a certain sport and you listen to them all the time. I'm sure you you know the same thing, John. And they they watch a lot. So yeah. it's not just a oh, I just know about my certain team. You know, it's if you're willing to sit down and watch the uh, the Detroit Pistons versus the New York Knicks, and you can get something out of that, then you're you are dedicated to your your craft and And john you i know you coach or you said you coach xavier you know you played as well i'm assuming what was it that you played 
at Xavier, it's interesting. Everyone kind of thinks, based on like where I am now, that I played four years in high school. I was really, really good. I was, I started playing basketball when I was like 13, 14 years old, so it was really new to me. Um, I got cut from the freshman, JV, and varsity teams, my freshman, sophomore, and junior year, respectively. So I made it as a senior, and that was kind of a huge moment for me. It's probably the wow. it's something I'll, always, I'll never forget and, and always remember. And that's kind of why I was asked to come back and coach. And so it you're really used to the makes grind, that experience then. You're used to so the grind since middle sure. school. I'm sorry. You're used to the grind since middle school. If you you grind and you made this, you made the the, the varsity team in senior year. Wow. Yeah, that's definitely something that I'm. I'll, I'll never, like, everyone kind of is like, oh, you know, that was in high school. Why do you care about it so much? That is, there there was nothing that I've ever done or I, that I think I will do that felt so impossible. Um, so that's, I mean, it, it's something that I'll only really ever understand. And I can't expect other people to understand it for me. But that was really just the biggest thing for me. Mm-hmm. But that was kind of my experience in terms of. You know, going leading up to this, in terms of my playing experience, that's kind of where it all comes in. Coaching at Xavier has been a dream. The moment I was asked to do it, I jumped at the chance, and I've loved every second of it since then. You know, being part of a whether it's a historic high school program, the the history behind there, just everything that comes along with it, I just love every moment of it. Whether it's the parents, the other coaches, the school, the, the faculty members, the school itself, the kind of the way I the way I feel when I enter the the building, and also the way other people kind of react to me. It's just something that I, I can't replace anywhere else. And I just love everything about it for sure. Um, and that's kind of my whole, the, in terms of the background me playing, I don't like to talk, I, I don't talk about it too much because it's not too extensive. But my senior year was something that it was memorable for me, of course. And obviously, I mean, for the people that watch it happen, they always, they, they bring it up for me a lot of times, but it's not something that I, you know, that, that I, I did enough to really talk about it too much. So you never had a, you know, the, the thought process of, I know you want to do GM, but you never want to be on. And we always say grand stage because we should never limit ourselves to any of our aspirations. So you don't want to be that NBA coach because Brad Stevens, you know, his story, he was an accountant. And then one day he just walked off, went to Butler and said, hey, teach me something. And, you know, through that time, that grind, that's how he kind of got in there and look where he got to. So I know that you have one thing, but what about even just con calling some X's and O's, being a guy, conditioning coach, even every, you know, when your team wins a NBA finals, everybody on that staff wins. Any aspirations of that, or you haven't entertained that thought process? Oh, for me, for me to coach in the NBA, I mean, of course, that's something that would be entertaining to me. It's just the thought process for me and kind of, at least now focusing on the managerial side or the, the front office side is that I love coaching and I love coaching at Xavier. It's just, well, I, I should say I love coaching at Xavier because of what I kind of said in terms of how much I love just being in that, that gym. The, the, the fact that I, I had those experiences of getting cut from the team, thinking I'd never be a part of the program. And now I'm, I'm an, I'm a, I'm a member of the family forever. Um, like sure. Would it have been great to play four years there? Yes. But this year I would have completed my fourth season in total three coaching one playing and i know i'm gonna have a lot more of those going forward so to that to me is kind of something that every time i get to that gym is something i always think of and sticks out to me so that's why i love doing it there um coaching at, at the next level would be would be would be fun it'd be great and it's something i think i, I could enjoy but that the, the reason i think I, I focus so much on the on things other than coaching is because i feel like that's just kind of where i i i'd have a more more of a passion for outside of it like coaching I, it is really just something that I think is, is unique in terms of the reason I love it is because it's through Xavier for me. Okay. So, yeah, so it's more of a a personal passion project. Well, I mean, not, not a project, but a personal pa- pra- uh, passion initiative for you coaching for your your high school team, a place that, that you, <laughs> I mean, you literally grew up at. That, that It's more of a sentimental thing than anything else, for now at least. 
That's for sure. For now, it's, yeah, it's, it's something I'll never nothing i don't think any other even the nba as much of an honor as it would be to work there and stuff and i would be over the moon to do that in terms of the sentimental value to have in my in my heart like walking in there every day i'd be excited for sure but there's this different kind of it, it is it's difficult to explain uh, just a feeling of fulfillment when i'm when i walk into mm. xavier that yeah. is just I'm, I'm not sure that i'll go away for a long time so okay all right. Well, let's talk about some actual sports news that happened over the last week. So we're going to talk a little about the NBA and a huge trade went down. So uh, huge, huge is an understatement. <laughs> yeah. So we're, we're down here in Miami. And of course, every single Miami Heat fan thinks every single major player in the NBA is going to be playing for our team because of the culture and things like that. And everybody's already photoshopped Miami Heat jerseys on on Giannis and Anthony Davis and Bradley Beal and James Harden. We didn't land James Harden, but he's off to your neck of the woods out there, uh, New York City, Brooklyn. And that went down. And Charles, you have some thoughts? Oh, yeah. Well, you know, Harden wouldn't fit because this is not a me culture. It's a we culture in Miami. All right. I'm saying out there. Yeah. yeah. I think I texted you when that trade went down was I mm-hmm. thought Brooklyn wanted to win. Because I'm that person that you know the cut of the cloth that you're getting out of James Harden. We know he's excellent. We know he's a perennial scoring champion, a perennial MVP candidate. But he's not even the best player on that uh, Nets team right now. It's going to be KD's show for a while. And you look at kind of what they gave up on. It's not a lot. What they gave a few. Karis LeVert's gone. Jared Allen's gone. Right? They put away some first-round picks. They have money to spend. But... I've seen James Harden play live, and I think, John, if you can agree this with me and Francis as well, there's a difference between seeing that player live and seeing that player in person. Don't don't get me wrong. James Harden was like, I'm going to Miami. I'm going to be a hypocrite. Like, hell yeah. But it's the same thing with Jim. You know, two years ago, I'm like, we don't want that. And I'm like, I totally want it. But this is going to be the guy who's going to put up 30 points throughout the season. He's going to be in the top three conversation MVP, top three in scoring. And then he's going to go five of 20 in a playoff game. Then he's going to go cold in the fourth quarter when you really need that shot. And he's going to bring that dribbling. In fact, I watched yesterday, yesterday's game with Brooklyn. Start to finish, man. And he wasn't dribbling as too crazy. He was able to drop like 30 points. I think he went, or 26 points. I didn't look at the stats fully. I don't remember it fully. But I remember I was like, okay, he's looking good there. But you have his personality coming in. You got Steve Nash, who's a rookie head coach, coming into it. You got KD, who has to kind of say all eyes on me because, hey, it's been a bit. I've been out of it. And I just don't know if that's going to gel for the remaining three years. Maybe because I believe that's the remainder of his contract. Do I think Brooklyn really lost by giving up Karis LeVert and then Jared Allen? Not necessarily. You need somebody to back up DeAndre Jordan. So losing that depth kind of hurts. Uh, Karis LeVert, unfortunately, has a mass on his kidney, so he's going to be out for a while. Mm -hmm. I think some of the other teams kind of won out, but I'm not too crazy about the Harden trade because after nine years of being in the league, ten years of being in the league, you know what you're getting. You're getting excellent, excellent shooter. Defensive, okay, raises some flags, kind of ups the level on assists and rebounds, assuming that they kind of spread the ball around. But is this something we're really missing out on? And I say with all hypocrisy because we didn't get it. We didn't get him out of it. But I don't think it's going to be the propelling that a lot of teams think it's going to be or a lot of fans think it's going to be for them in the East. Granted, though, they play in the East. Maybe it's an easier schedule. And, you know, there's Durant there who might be able to kind of gel in a little bit better. I don't know how that team's going to look with Kyrie's around. 
because now you're really going to have questions. Who's going to get that last shot? Who's going to be, you know, officiating offense? You know, who's going to be that guy? Because handling the ball is, unless Nash is smart, he says, egos aside, let's do it how we got to OKC to the finals years ago. I mean, Kevin Durant said that James Harden looked more natural handling the ball, being the guy. uh, uh, Than Kyrie, yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's a floor general like that. Kyrie, great human being, kind of a pain in the ass as a player. And you saw how he kind of created that fracture and that schism in Cleveland and in Boston. Who's to say it's not going to happen in Brooklyn? So it's even one of those trades that even getting a guy who might be better in production for your team might cause other issues with the other guys there. Because if you put a whole bunch of prima donnas, and not to say that KD's a prima donna, but he's got those burner accounts on Twitter. We know Kyrie's position. We know Harden just basically kind of wore a fat suit to get trade out from Houston. <laughs> was that else, right? They don't have a Spo over there, Francisco. They don't have a Tom Thibodeau. Because I can tell you, you know, TT over there for the Knicks can calm that out. Unfortunately, he just has RJ Barrett. Even though, uh, what, Randall's on there now? He's doing pretty good. But that's just what my thoughts are on Brooklyn getting Harden. It's kind of like my long rant of pent-up frustration that I have to watch KZ Akpala try to shoot, and Kendrick Nunn try to shoot, and I look at Brooklyn. Hey, like, hey, Nunn like had a pretty good game Scrubs. last night, all right? Come on now. They did, but I feel like, uh, is it Ted from Scrubs? He's like, why do they deserve to be happy in my spite and pettiness? <laughs> What's that to you, John? What do you feel about yeah. it? Yeah. For sure. So from uh, I, I would think maybe a, a slight – I'm still biased in, in a different way maybe, so a different biased perspective in terms of not a, a bitter fan but maybe an overhyped fan being the, from, from the area. But – I mean, it kind of similar to what you said. I mean, it was it was funny when you said about how it's different when you see a player live. I I, I think I told you guys this before we went on air. I, I was only 15 when it happened, but I have guarded James Harden before one on one. It did not end well for me, <laughs> but he it, 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 I, that story is is a is a good one for sure. And I, I could talk about my 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 father became best friends with Mrs. Harden that night. Um, they would just they, they they uh she was he came over. We were playing five on five. He jumped into the game. She was watching. My dad went over and said, "Oh, your son's such a great guy," and they just hit it off. And then she found out I was from New York and had them print out a longest distance camper for him uh really sweet lady so i would hope maybe she's at a game in uh in brooklyn over the next few months and maybe well not obviously now with no fans but maybe she'll recognize me my dad and i who knows that's always just a little fun aside but in terms of what i should think about the trade i think it's great for both sides i mean houston got a lot out of it for a player that obviously as great as james harden is as james harden obviously is he was so disgruntled where if, if he had, a, you know, if he, he having two years on his contract gave them a little bit more power, but they still were in the best position available to get the picks that they got out of it too. And, and a couple of really, you know, solid pieces now to keep them at least a little bit competitive. Those are some great, those are some great pieces. Definitely some great pieces getting, getting guys to go a depot and stuff. And of course a, a treasure trove of, of picks. Now, will those picks be great? Will the 2023 picks be really good? Probably not. Cause the Nets are, the Nets are going to be, you know, fighting for, you know, th- those will probably be lower first round picks, but those 2027 picks, if Harden and KD, if this thing doesn't, it, it could really work out. If, if, it, if that's another th- one thing I, I want to make sure that I- I'm kind of of the mindset of winning one championship is a huge deal. I've had people tell me that if they don't, if they don't win at least, you know, if they only win two, they, they've failed, which I think is ridiculous. If you win, if you win one championship, in the NBA, it's a huge deal, especially from a, maybe from a player's perspective, I, he, you know, we expect more out of KD, but from a man's perspective, if, if Sean, if Sean Marks, yeah. if they win the championship, Sean Marks did his job. Yeah. Just, just historically, the NBA has had so few of those teams win an, an actual title, just one itself. I mean, look at the Dallas Mavericks with uh, Dirk, the Dirk Nowitzki era. They won one. 
They won just one. Uh, barely at the yeah. tail end. Yeah, exactly. And it was just, you know, the Miami Heat just uh, everybody choking uh, in that series. But it was, it just won. They just won one. The Raptors just won. And look, regardless of how they got there with how many injuries the Warriors had, they still got the one. And that's no, something. That is, it, that is that's huge. Great. The the background for that trade was everything with with the Kawhi and DeMar DeRozan trade. Mm -hmm. If that trade, think, Kawhi misses that shot, right? The four, four bounces on the rim. We're talking very differently about Masai Ujiri. Right. Is Masai Ujiri a smarter basketball uh, mind? If that ball go, if if that ball goes in and out, no. But that 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 changes our perspective, our perception of him. If that if that shot goes out, okay, wow, the, the Kawhi trade was a total disaster. How could you trade a player like DeMar DeRozan who wanted to sign long term in Toronto? Um, for a guy that left after one year, but they end up winning it, and now Masai Ujiri is a genius, and yeah. it's the you know that that risk actually paid off. So it's crazy how things like that could work out, but that's that's kind of the the business that we're in in terms of how it's very results driven and how things can be completely out of someone's control. Giannis, for example, right? They lost that game three in Toronto in double overtime. On a random player on the buck, Eric Bledsoe makes another free throw. Whoever whoever it is makes one more free throw in two, on two different occasions, and they win that game, go up 3-0. And I'd like to think up 3-0, they'd hopefully close them out in, in uh, they'd close yeah. out Toronto. The way Toronto played, you can make the argument they'd still win four in a row. But going up 3-0 is a whole different beast. So maybe yeah. they, the Bucks end up winning that series. Then they go up against the depleted Warriors team. Maybe the Bucks win that series too. Now we're talking about Giannis being the best player in the world. When as opposed to that, because some guys missed some free throws, we're talking about him being a playoff choker. It's it's crazy how that narrative can that can can change off of something that has nothing to do with them, um, which is something I, I I think about a lot because it's crazy how that that works. But in terms of this this, this Harden trade, they the if 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 they, if they win one, I think it's 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 a colossal success because that it's so difficult to win one championship, um, especially and especially um, in the current climate in the NBA where it's so competitive. Where if you look at the if you look at the standings, I would say there's like 26 playoff teams. Maybe like when you're looking at them, you're like, this team can make the playoffs. This team can make the playoffs. There's I, I, very few that you would say that are, are, have no sh chance of making the playoffs. I feel like, uh, and I'm just thinking about this in terms of uh, market share in the New York City media market. Because the Brooklyn Nets are, I guess you could, you could have the analogy of the Lakers and the Clippers. And the Clippers are just trying to win one. They're just trying to get that one. Because getting that one legitimizes them in the Los Angeles area. Because they've been there you know, almost 40 years now or so, I don't know how many years now. And they've been in Los Angeles and they don't have any sort of modicum of success until recently, until recently, until like the last uh, 10 or so years. And the Brooklyn Nets, I mean, they won championships in the ABA. Uh, they had Julius Irving and things like that, but it was, then they move over to the NBA and they just, they don't, they don't have that one. They're, they're just trying to get that one. And they know, and it's, it, and they can be something much bigger in that city. And, and you can probably talk about it more, John, as far as like the, the dichotomy of Knicks and Nets uh, with regards to the people in New York. But the Nets have had a chance to be the team of New York in that sort of way. I mean, they went to two finals earlier in 2000. They lost to the Lakers and the Spurs. You know, who, who could fault losing to those two, those two teams? But now they're going for it. They're, they just need that one. They just need but that one. Doesn't doesn't this remind you guys of 2014? Because remember, this is not Brooklyn's first, you know, big shot trade approach. Different uh, players, no, probably no, better. That, that trade was a disaster for them. It was, but you got to remember how the hype was. Uh, but 2016. I, 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 I would say, that, yeah, there's definitely a big difference yeah, because of this. You're not getting in. over the hill, KG and Paul Pierce. 
in this. No, one. but you know, you look into it, what they were resting on Joe Johnson, Darren Williams, Brooke Lopez kind of breaking into it. And the whole point is you can have talent to get you there. And I understand that this is a completely different genetic makeup, but you've seen those big moves and you see how they don't plan out. And what I've noticed is that after the first two years, the patience button runs out new owner, understandably. So sharma has been around for a bit. Do I think they have the right guys? Obviously, but you've kind of seen that it's kind of like a seesaw. You've had your opportunities in the kid time. You went big on a bad setup of contracts and the aging guys that was Pierce and Garnett. And now you have some guys that I kind of consider you have. You have two players who are injury prone, right? And I know everybody hates to throw that word because it feels like a cop-out of a predictability of a, of a team season. But it, it is known that Kyrie can't fully stay throughout the you know a season. KD's looking fantastic coming back from every injury known to mankind. And then we have Harden who will kind of get in there. But I wouldn't. I know they're probably going to play us out on top three. I throw out twenty four team because it, it's just what I think of. Because of course, it's them. It feels like it's coming full circle, right? You want every team to succeed when they're throwing all that money. Sure, if they're not your team. I think Brooklyn's likable as a as a city and a team and everything like that. But I, I can't feel that I can go put my weight to them even if it's in the East. But it's a great a great transition for a city that kind of needs it. And also a fan base that needs it. Because as Francisco mentioned, there's a lot of loose in there coming in. And maybe that one title is going to legitimize everything they've done that was failures in the past and hopefully putting successes for the future. Yep, no, and I would say in terms of that Brooklyn Nets dichotomy with the Knicks, um, it's, they're in a much better spot, I would hope, than the Clippers would be, being that, number one, the, the Lakers have 16 to the Knicks, two, And people want to talk about how the Knicks are – I mean, being a Knicks fan, I, I, it's kind of heresy that I'm saying this, but everyone talks about the Knicks being a historic franchise when there's so many teams with either more titles than them or not even just titles but historically relevant decades. Outside of the 70s and 90s, it's tough to say the mm. Knicks were incredibly competitive in any other decade, whether it's the last 20 years, a good good chunks of the 80s, uh, there's there's a lot of I could I, I've, I've mentioned this before and I, I get I get a lot of hate for saying that but there's a lot more of teams whether you want to talk about the Warriors Spurs Bulls that have had much longer whether it's more championships or maybe even just more a, a longer period of time just always being relevant. Um, that being the case though, in terms because the Lakers obviously have been relevant in every single decade, like like very relevant in every single decade, but. And, and the Clippers also have been much less relevant than the Nets, who the Nets at least have had trips to the finals. They've 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 made moves. They've had marquee players up until like recently. All all the Clippers have their their greatest players of all time are Blake Griffin, Chris Paul, yeah, Bob McAdoo, Bob McAdoo. Yeah, um, yeah who, he played for no the, one, he no, played for the Buffalo Braves. That's how old that, that he was. Yeah, exactly. So Bob McAdoo, and then who else? Um, El- Elton Brand, maybe. Ooh, yeah. um, it, it, it's really difficult. The Clippers are compared to the Nets, who at least okay, even though it's the ABA days, they could say they have Ju- Julius Irving. You could talk Kidd. about Drazen Petrovic. You could talk about um, Jason Kidd, of course, yeah. one of the best passers of all time. Like Vince Carter. There's, there's, a, there's the, the Nets have do have a little bit more than the Clippers, and the Nets, the, the Knicks have a whole lot less than the Lakers. Um, but that's still that they, you're, you are right in saying that they win that one championship and it, it changes things a lot because I would say it's already close to the Knicks and the Nets in terms of there's a lot of people in the New York area that are Nets fans just because of the way the Knicks have been. It's, and it's not just so much that they're losing games. It's kind of how they're losing. The Knicks are losing in a way that's making you feel like they're never going to stop losing because their, their process is a losing process. And, and there's always um, a PR nightmare behind that too. At, at some exactly. point for the Knicks. Yeah. No. So that, and then that, and the Nets have all this pot. I mean, 
going to a Knicks game is an experience unlike any other. Night. It's not just because of Madison Square Garden. It's kind of the, the environment of the, the, the bright lights. Being in New York City is a lot different than being in, in, uh, on, flat, on, flat, on Atlantic Avenue in, in Brooklyn. That being said, though, when you're at a, Knicks, at a Nets game, there's a lot more... There's just a lot. There's a, there's a much younger, much more energetic vibe to it. Whether it's the music being played, they, like they, they do have something's trending in their in their in their, in their favor. And a, you know the most the biggest part of that is you know having a very competitive team, um, and stars that are very cool. Like it's not like they have. I mean, you know, they, they don't they don't have stars that are quiet. They don't have a as much as I love these guys. A, a much more quiet star like a Nikola Jokic or a Kawhi Leonard. They have James Harden, um, KD, and, and Kyrie, yeah. three of the most energetic and exciting players in the league. Whether it's because of their shooting abilities, or the way they the way they speak, or the way that they handle themselves in whatever way, the way they walk on the court, they have a, a kind of swag, a swag to them that most of the players don't have. Yeah. Um, so that that that's kind of what the Brooklyn's holding on in terms of that Brooklyn pride, that all that stuff. If they win, if this if this trade works out, and in terms of the actual dichotomy, the, the way the trade works out, uh, if we're going to talk about both maybe the fit in terms of what James Harden does for their spacing, I don't, I, I'm not sure how Kyrie will look when he goes into them. I, I, I can't speak on that. Of course, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not an NBA level coach or anything like that. But what he's doing now, when you're seeing the outbursts the kiddies have over the last two games, he's been playing well all season. But his most efficient scoring games and his his outbursts have come in those last two, unsurprisingly, because. By, ha- by having James Harden on the court, he's just the, the in terms of the gravity that he has on, on defenses, it's opening things up for KD. Or like and, and and someone that's already such an effortless scorer, it's even getting even easier for him. Same thing with guys like Joe Harris, and, and hopefully having those three stud players that can also space the floor will make things easier for the other guys as well. So it, it'll be very interesting to see how it plays out. I think it's it's great for them. Can they compete with the Lakers who have you know one through eight nine or the deepest team in the league and have the t- and have the t- one of the you know two of the best players in the league? It's it's tough. I'm not sure if they can. Um, so maybe that's that's what stops them from winning a championship. But if that's if that's what it is, I still think they'll be very very competitive and a lot of fun to watch, and will definitely change the narrative on basketball here in New York. Okay. All right. Uh, we're coming up on the halfway point of the show. We're about an hour in. So, John, I guess you said you're going to give us give us like an hour or so, but close you out outro here. John Hartafillis, everybody. Thank you for coming on to the show. By the way, it's been quite a pleasure. Oh, it's been um, a, it's been a blast. Yeah, it's been a really fun conversation actually. And give us uh, where can we catch you? Every, everything you got, Twitter, anything, uh, Gen Z hoops, obviously. But what what else? What else can we catch you on? Oh, of course. So for any uh, of the, of the ladies listening to this podcast, you can uh, follow me on Instagram and DM me at j at j dot h a r t twenty one. So that that's for that's for that's for everyone there. Um, for everyone interested in the sports side of things, um, you can follow me at Gen Z hoops. Um, both on, I'm on, I'm obviously very active on Instagram, Twitter. I don't post a lot, but I'm active there. LinkedIn's my biggest thing. If you want to connect with me and, and whether it's from a business perspective or from anything like that, LinkedIn is where I'm most active and mm. probably most, I, I post the most and I'm most transparent on LinkedIn. Um, but really, I mean, if there's any, if any, if, if for anyone that would like to get in touch with me, like my, my DMS, I answer absolutely everything on Instagram, LinkedIn, um, the YouTube channel, obviously for Gen Z hoops is, is where all the video content goes up. Um, really uh, like on every platform, Apple Podcasts, Spotify. Um, there's, I'm on distribution platforms in India and Japan just to have it for SEO purposes. So you can really find the podcast anywhere and connect with me on, on really anything. So would love to chat with, with all of you. And thank you both so much for having me on. All right, John. Thank you. Thanks, John. We appreciate you. Charles, we're at the halfway point. 
So you know what that means, I'm right? Say, I'm still going to say Brooklyn sucks, by the way. Still going <laughs> to call it. My pettiness is real. Oh, boy. Is it the halfway part? Yeah, it is the halfway point. We all know what that means. It is time for... We're from our non-sponsors. People, places, things, concepts, what have you, that we have been enjoying over the last week. We're only going to have two, I guess, this week because Andrew is not with us today. But I guess I... Actually, Charles, you start because I... I gosh, darn, I had something in my head and I lost it. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm gonna give I'm gonna give two as an honorary for Andrew in that sense because we got to keep it at three always coming into it. Side non-sponsor John Howard Fallis coming in with us. You know today I think that's something Andrew would say, and I'll keep that going. You know, good interesting concept. I like people who talk basketball for actually know the analytics as opposed to being like, oh hey, just shoot the ball. But I gotta tell you, Francisco, the reason why I had to go with two is because. Life is about comfort, and we'll, we'll go with something that's very near and dear to my heart, right? So I have my wisdom teeth taken out not too long ago. As you guys know, I feel like you should preference that every show. And I have not been able to have the delicacies of what I want to eat in life. It's just like super depressing when I can't do it because all I've been having, man, all I've been having has been like soup. A couple other stuff I tried with solids a little bit too early, and I should have very sad boy. Sad boy time, for sure. But today, man, I'm like, all right, I'm losing some weight. Got to gotta pack on some pounds. So the other day, you know, I feel like I should do like five foods, but I'm going to keep it to this one today because it's one of the payoff. Yesterday, I had both barbecue and Chinese food. Mm-hmm. Some lo mein, some crispy, good, tasty, not too crispy, but crispy enough general Tao. I had some thin sliced uh, pork. It was great. But today I was like, all right, man, we're going to have those leftovers, but what are we having for breakfast? And I think I've done them before, but when you're good, you're great. You're always going to get recommended. The one thing they're like, oh, hey, you should get some ice cream. I'm like, I don't want an ice cream though. I like ice cream, but I, I don't pick out an ice cream. Mm. I got packed out probably about three to five pounds, man. I went after I came back from court today at 11, 12 a.m. I remember the time, and I got me 12 of the most beautiful donuts of my life from Jupiter's uh, Donuts. I love them so much. I got myself three Bavarian. Where, 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 where is this at? Where, where, where is this at? Where, what, what's oh, the place out? Donuts. Jupiter liked the planet because it's big as hell, and them donuts are pretty big too. And I got me a Baker's dozen. The fam can have some as well, but I'm going to eat most of that. We got three Boston creams. Three uh, raspberries. We got three glaze. Three strawberry with sprinkles. I can't do the sprinkles yet. They'll get in the pocket lining. I had two of them already today. After we're done with the show, I'm thinking about it now. I'm gonna eat the remaining leftover Chinese food oh, and no. still eat a damn donut oh, no, because I got pounds some of that weight. Oh, oh my no. god, they have some specialties. Oh, no, and they're don't. just so good. They also make a excellent maple bacon bar. What is I've had this? Thicker one. What is that sandwich? With the donuts oh, oh. and the bacon and the eggs. I don't even know. That's new to me. I didn't even see it, but I want that. I need that. I've had the regular breakfast. It's pretty good. But now that they make that, I got to get into it. I can't oh, have the bacon. No. But when I can't have the bacon, I'm going to get this. Because, guys, I will bring this into the office. Oh, look, at, know, look at that selection of building. donuts. Dear Lord. Yeah, I mean, it's ridiculous. They have, like, Reese's peanut butter. The butter crunch is excellent. They have the butterfingers, the chocolate banana is so good. They make an excellent lemon drop that they only have it available on Thursdays, and I never seem to go, but <laughs> damn it, do I want that lemon drop. Their crawlers are even good, and crawlers are kind of lame to me. They're not my favorite, but look at that glazed lemon jelly. Kit Kat. Oh, man, it's just so good. 
and I'll pay the fifteen dollars. I don't care because yeah. some people like Duncan. People like Baskin Robbins. If they the Duncan Baskin Robbins thing, I can't get into it, man. Dunkin' Donuts, it's like on my low tier. This shit is my high tier. Excuse my French, but it is so good, you know. Because donuts are special to me. I like them fluffy. I like them big. I like them flavorful. I love them all the way through. This is what I've been wanting for 19 days, and today I got it. And did it hurt my mouth just a little bit? Was it worth the pain? Absolutely. Would I do it again? You know it. So Jupiter Donuts, my first non-sponsor. Promo code, just glorious. Oh, man. Oh, boy. Are you, are you a donut? Are you oh part of the donut God. family? Oh, my or God. Are you no, I love donuts, man. I I rarely eat donuts because of uh, you know donuts, man. I you know I have almost lost twenty pounds now, so I I can't I can't relapse right now, man. I'm I'm halfway to my goal at this point. Uh, dropping dropping like three pounds because all I was was like soup and stuff like that. I'm like no no no. I got uh, I got to be a little bit of a thick boy, oh, and I knew man. the remedy because I don't want to get like I don't want to regain that weight with the fast food grease because oh, that. This is the healthiest yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. donuts, I'm like, it's get breakfast. You need breakfast sugar stuff, man. Yeah. Oh boy. Yeah. Every time I, because you know, every once in a while I get like a stomach virus or whatever. You know, you, you, we all get stomach viruses every once in a while. You know, we're, yeah. you know, we're, we're just spewing things out from every orifice. And but you lose, you lose about a few pounds when you get one of those, and it's always nice to get regain that back. Yeah, that's the best part of the recovery. Oh man, yeah, lose it. Uh, three pounds of just eating this. Yeah, man. Yeah, breakfast, lunch, and dinner. <laughs> that's the plan. I'm gonna stock up out of the 12 I got. I will probably, the plan is to get like eight out, eight of like the 12, and I'll die happy. Oh, you know, man. I don't care what the sugar rush hit me, but. If there's three meals a day plus a snack, your boy has got it. That's oh, that is worth it. After 19 days, that is worth it. Like I, I don't want any after effects on the gum line, or anything like that. I want to do it right, but you know, sometimes you, I, I know what depression feels like. And depression is just seeing everybody at the household get a pizza, and you can't have that pizza. Mm. You know, mm-hmm. monsters. Yeah. Oh, look at those specialty orders. <laughs> you can, yeah. Oh, look at that. Oh, all right, man. Yeah, definitely not anything like that. My non-sponsor goes to the uh, the Apple Watch. Ooh, Apple Watch. So we're selling out then. I mean, come on now. I already sold out to Apple once before. I already shouted out the the iPhone before, but I, I'm just the Apple Watch. Look, I, I was never a watch guy growing up. Never was. Wasn't into it. Probably the last watch that I was into was the the ones that I got at Burger King when the Lost World Jurassic Park came out. <laughs> I got the whole set too, by the way. Got the whole set. My favorite one's the one with the the Velociraptor eye. That one's that one's a great one. But uh, yeah, never a watch guy. Never never a jewelry guy either. No no necklaces. No 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 bracelets. No no earrings. No nothing like that. No 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 bling bling for me. All right. No gold grill. But. You know, the first Apple Watch came out. I wasn't even into it. I wasn't even going to get it. But, you know, come Christmas time, I get it gifted to myself. I'm like, ah, oh, I've got a watch. I don't wear these things. I don't like things on my wrist or anything like that. And Series 3 comes out. And I get that one gifted for Christmas for years ago. And it's the one I'm, I'm still wearing right now. And i got to tell you, man... Smartwatches of any kind. I can't. I can't talk about the ones from all the other companies. I can talk to you about this one. What a convenience 
what a what a like you wouldn't think it's that convenient it's like okay it tells the time no they they had the commercial it doesn't just tell the time it gives you all your notifications your reminders and things like that and i can't tell you even being in court how easy that is you could just look at the watch because you know you could be fiddling on the phone and you know, people will look at you weird like that. It's like oh, the lawyer's on the phone; he's not paying attention to the law in front of him. It's like, you can hop over to the watch and look like a sophisticated human being. It's like yes, the sun is at this position at this hour. <laughs> oh yes, but this watch is—it's been so convenient for me. It look I, lately because I've been taking these new prescription meds, I've been knocking out in the afternoon <laughs> i knocked out before this show actually and uh, I, I don't know if that's a genetics thing either because my dad always gets home from work and takes a nap so that just might be me becoming an old man yeah maybe we're just old yeah that could just be me becoming an old man but uh the watch when i knock out watch is still on my wrist and the watch rumbles it rumbles it shakes it vibrates and so uh, usually I'll get a notification. It might just be Charles uh, sending me another wrestling gif. And I wake you up. You know that was cool. Yeah, yeah that was that, actually that was a really nice thing. Uh, and people are like, oh, that should be in a video game. It's like, you're never going to get that in WWE 2K21. They don't have time for that. There's too much crunch. Anyways, and it wakes me up. And look, I've been u- utilizing the reminders feature a ton lately. A ton. Because I realize that I forget a lot of things. And I need to remind myself of things. So before I forget the thing, I'm like, hey, Siri, remind me to, I don't know, pick up uh, milk. She accidentally (laughs) actually listened to me. Anyways, and at 9 o'clock, whatever, and pops up on my watch. It's like, hey, remember to get that milk. Ah, yes, the milk. And then I go and do it. So... It's been working a lot for me for work. It's been working a lot for me for normal life. Hey, do the laundry. Pick up this. Pick up that. Buy this. Buy that. And I, I can't tell you the, the convenience of it. There's all the other ga- gizmos and gadgets. Like the, some of them like, have like EKG monitor. It's like, I, I know when I'm going to have a heart attack. Don't worry. <laughs> I don't need my watch to remind me of that. But, uh, you know, the exercise thing, that's another big thing. I've been losing weight. Lost almost 20 pounds now. And it keeps track of the running and the skating that I've been doing and how much I've been losing. And that's that's something I like to keep track of, because once you start getting into it, you start becoming a junkie learning about Mm -hmm. the stats that you're 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 throwing out there and how many miles you're running, how your, your your cadence, your pace, all that type of stuff. It's it's great. I use the map my run. That's the app that I use for um for exercise so that that's always great to to utilize as well so uh smart watches in general but the apple watch for myself that's that's what i'm gonna throw as my non-sponsor promo code alzheimer's because <laughs> i'm getting old yeah, I'm with you. And I guess I'll go with the honorary third, even though this is yeah. probably anti For you, Andrew. For you. If you ever For you, Andrew. Episode. If you're listening, wherever we may find you. So I have continued 2021 to what I've been doing 2020, which was kicking the backlog. 
beating it up a little bit, that video mm-hmm. game backlog. Mm-hmm. And you know, I just recently finished Breath of the Wild last week, oh. somewhere around that time. Excellent game, Town Ten Innovation. You like the ending? Like, I like the ending. Oh, that was pretty. pretty I cool. loved the ending. Yeah. And I yeah I went complete. I had to get all the memories. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I was to be insufficient, and I want the second one, and I want it now, and I hate myself for waiting three years, and you and all my other buddies. We're right, and I admit that I should not have waited so long to do it, and it didn't even take that much time. I loved it, but life goes on, as do all the gaming. So this new year, I was like, all right, my backlog is kind of beefy. Zelda was about 65 hours, and that's kind of ignoring some of the side missions because I was so close to the end. I'm like, uh, let's just finish it, right? But I'll get back into it. Like, I'll marry off people and go build a town later at a different point. But I said, all right, if we're going to do this, what are we going to play because after this might be assassin's creed odyssey that's like 80 hours from my hold do we want to go from one big game to another big game and i said charles you have a lot of downloadable content that you need to be that are in fighting games you know so what do i get well for all you kids who like wandavision and all that stuff and the mcu got me a little nostalgic so i remember that i have the spider-man city that never sleeps dlc i picked it up like eight months ago and i forgot about it because i also picked up like the control dlc and all this other dlc because i don't really i'm pretty judicious when i buy dlc i don't like it being a tack on with a bad story or anything like that so i i will either wait till it goes on sale and hope i play it because i've had fallout 4's uh, dlc the entire season passed haven't touched a lick of it but fallout 4 is a different story that i probably need more time to talk about about why it's not as good or great as everybody says it is but it's addictive Two different mindsets. But I played and I beat over the weekend, beat it yesterday, Spider-Man The City Never Sleeps DLC, and I loved it. It was so good. It's not better than the actual game. No DLC should be better than the actual game. But it brought me back into the web mechanics. It brought me back into slinging around New York. I guess today is like our tribute show to the city of New York, right? And the state of New York. With John and everything else, and talk about Brooklyn and New York Knicks. It it was, I got it for like $10. And you can get it not just as a DLC, but at the Game of the Year edition out there. They're pretty cheap now, but you get to continue the story as Peter Parker, Spider-Man, um, as he deals with Black Cat, Silver Sable, and Hammerhead. And I think it's a good kind of setup because for Christmas I got Spider-Man Miles Morales, which I heard is like 12 hours. This DLC to beat was about 10. So it was kind of good little uh, you know appetizer because now I kind of want to jump into Miles, but I kind of don't because I'm like, all right, I'll jump in. Like I already dropped in 12 hours, but are we doing the same thing even though it's a different story? But it connects, it bridges can't give spoilers for those who might have played but spider-man was one of those game of the year contenders for me beat up by god of war because i think god of war was a little bit that much better but um i thoroughly enjoy getting back to revisit because it's one of those few games itself that i kind of want to replay again dedicate those 30 hours use the new game plus you can utilize all the cool suits do the missions. I mean, the downside of the DLC was there was too many screwball missions, and that's one of the video game villains, but I really like how they took a no-name like Hammerhead, who I remember from the animated series and the comics I read because your boy reads his comics, but he wasn't really prominent. I, I, I was like, why don't they use Tombstone instead? But whatever. But it worked out pretty well. The combat's fluid, very much like Arkham. Unfortunately for you, Francisco, you don't have a PlayStation, which is part of the Master Race, so maybe it'll become available on PS Now, and if it does... I highly recommend that you play this game because it has the fluidity of Arkham Asylum and that kind of gameplay combat system, but you get to sling around New York waste hours in, listen to J. Jonah Jameson on his podcast, because <gasps> he doesn't work for the Bugle anymore, minor spoiler, or does he still work there when he does his own thing? I don't know. I, have the re- I guess I just have to replay everything, but it's good. It's endearing. This is like my favorite Peter Parker as well because 
I don't like 16-year-old Peter Parker. That's what the medium has put him on because of Tom Holland. I like 23-year-old, 24-year-old Peter Parker mm-hmm. trying to figure things out of what he can be with, you know, as a man, as a young man becoming a fully situated man and everything that goes to hell around him, how he kind of keeps motivated. So Marvel Spider-Man, Marvel Spider-Man DLC, The City Never Sleeps, go get it. Spend your money. It's worth it. If you had to buy, like, one game this year, go ahead and buy that. Unless you have to buy Breath of the Wild. That's fantastic. Promo code Spidey Senses. Okay. Alrighty. Yeah. That's Yeah, I don't I don't have a PlayStation. I, I spent all the money on the, the PC and I'm actually playing PC games finally. Uh I almost gave it to Cyberhook, by the way. Cyberhook is a fantastic game. Uh but I, I kinda I played four hours of it and I'm still not done, but it's Ooh man. That's that's a game that I'm surprised it hasn't been ported to anything else because uh, that that thing can definitely run on the Switch, could definitely run on the definitely PS4 and the Xbox One and uh, the, the new generation consoles and definitely a game that uh, I could see be, being a VR game. It's first person. Licensing rights for a bit. You know how it is. Oh, I, I, I don't know. It's a it's an indie game, I would assume. I think it's an indie game. I got it free on Amazon. But, oof, uh, sheesh, man. You know what? Screw it. Uh, quadruple oh, uh, non-sponsors. Let's go. Come on now. All right, I'm gonna do the cyberhook. You got two, I got two. Cyberhook, video games. All right, one for is... John, one for Andrew. There you go. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So cyberhook here. Let me uh, let me just go to the Steam page here, uh, show it off there. But it's it, if you do have Amazon Prime, I think it's still free. If you have a PC, go and get it now. This is a really good game. Oh man. Were you hooked on it? Oh oh oh! <laughs> I, I played it for four hours straight. <laughs> on on the first night i haven't beaten it yet uh but uh yeah man this is you know what it is it's first person it's got that 80s kind of vibe to it with the uh you can see the trailer here actually yeah there you go the trailer going on in the background it's got that 80s vibe to it it's, uh, very tron like in in a way but yeah. it's uh i don't know if anybody remembers buying a commando of course or, and then they made Bionic Commander remastered for yeah, 360. Yeah, exactly. Or even Metroid. Even Metroid, because, you know, Samus has a grappling beam. It's basically that, but hey, do you want to speedrun uh, levels like that? It's, so you're you're watching it now, and yeah, you can go fast, man. This The the, the main character goes fast. Like, gotta go yeah, fast, Sonic like the Hedgehog t-shirt. fast. <laughs> yeah, just seeing the, the leaderboards, it's amazing. People are finishing these levels with that time with the time that they're showing there but uh the game allows for a lot of freedom and creativity so you have all these platforms here you can see i guess i'll describe it for the podcast uh you have these solid platforms there and you can grapple onto them and pull yourself in and try and traverse the levels in this you know big platforming landscape so it's platforming it's speed running um there's some shooting mechanics in there too but it's not really that 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 in depth there's i think only one level i've encountered that had enemies in it aside from that uh, but the beauty of this is you can slow down time for like a short amount of like maybe like 10 seconds which allows you the the, the time to figure out where you are at plan out what you're gonna latch on to next and then go from there so that that's part of the beauty of it of course uh it kind of reminds me of Mirror's Edge. Yeah, uh, that's another. That's an, yeah, kind of parkourish type of thing. 
Um, it says it's just hooking. Yeah, it's just exactly. There's some levels you'll have like these death uh, spaces that you can't land on them, or else it's game over. You have to start over from the beginning. But it is just the thrill of it's the first person perspective too. I think if this was like a third person game, I probably wouldn't be feeling that thrill. But it's it's the first person perspective. You get a lot of creativity. You can make up for your mistakes. You can kind of move around uh, the levels as you please for the most part, which allows for a lot of creativity, and I, I like that. And plus, it was free. Yeah, and listen, well, I love it's free that. on Amazon for now, limited time. But if not, it's on all of the major um, downloadable PC platforms. Steam. It's fifteen bucks. Um, Steam, it's on GOG, it's, uh, I don't know what other ones, itch.io. And I got to tell you, man, I, 15 bucks? I played it for four hours. I don't think I'm even close to being done. There's probably, uh, I think maybe I'm probably like four hours of gameplay. And that's me just trying to beat levels and not really trying to get aim for high scores or anything like that. Uh, yeah, fifteen bucks. I, I could see it. if it's anything lower than that. Definitely get it because and Indies always kind of dropped the tens. My yeah. safe. That's how exactly. much all how I got Guacamelee. Yeah, and, yeah, that's a game. I yeah, really there's always play. sales. There's always gonna be a sale. There's a there's a you can get a there's a demo right now. Try it out for yourself. If it it's definitely gonna be if it's my jam, it's definitely gonna be your jam. Promo mm-hmm. code um, Cyber okay. Metroid. Whatever you want to call it, Cyber, Cyber Metroid, because I I really I love the grappling hook mechanic in Metroid Prime, in all the Metroid Prime games, one, two, and three, especially three because I had the Wii Remote and you could you could jerk people with you could, <laughs> well, Henry Handy everybody if you want to get the uh, T-shirt. Titan, Titan season is <laughs> over, but you know, but uh, yeah, you can uh, uh, the mechanic with the nunchuck you can pull off the, the armor or shields from enemies in Metroid Prime. Oh man, I hope Metroid Prime Four has stuff like that. With the with the Switch Joy Cons, anyways, yeah, man, that's, woo, oh man, this game, that game was fun, man. This, this game is really fun, definitely. Yeah, please port this to to all the other consoles. By the way, Wh- whoever made this, uh, Graffiti Games, there you go. All right, well, Charles, we're gonna move on. NFL playoffs, let's get to it. Let's do it. Sports time. Mm-hmm. Oh. oh, so oh. oh yeah, let's let's start. First game, Baltimore versus Buffalo. Yeah, man. What the? Was, <laughs> what was, was that? Promises made exactly. about these teams that were not fulfilled. I mean, it wasn't even like, oh, it's Buffalo. It wasn't. It wasn't snowing. It wasn't any of that. It wasn't any of that stuff. Know. It was just like nobody woke up to play that day. It oh. seemed like. Except maybe the defenses. I'm not even sure if it was even the defenses, to be honest. To a degree, I'll say Baltimore started a little bit because we look how um, Lamar Jackson kind of is with the running. But we already knew a little bit of Baltimore's weakness. But I feel like ashamed that that's the team that I lost to. You know? Yeah. Because they did not look anything like the team that beat us. But but the thing is, the... You know, before the Ravens got onto that hot streak, and you, maybe it was just that they they finally got cold. They they weren't playing that well. They were very inconsistent before they got on the hot streak. That was that was that Baltimore that you saw there. 
And Buffalo kind of played like the team that we beat 42 to 16. Yeah. A couple of weeks yeah, back. That wasn't the team that beat down on the Dolphins. It, it's a team that looked too reliant on Josh Allen. And I know we say that, but you really felt it. Because Devin Singletary couldn't really get anything going. I think there was really him. They didn't try anything with TJ Yeldon or the newly signed um, Devontae Freeman to kind of get anything out there. Stephon Diggs is an animal. Yeah. But that was just blown coverage. And listen, and get it. I, I understand I'm drinking a haterade right now or I'm just chugging it to you guys. But I gotta I gotta pick at something because we already know Stefan Diggs was a leader of most receptions. He had like twelve hundred yards as well and like fourteen touchdowns in addition to it. And yes, he had like a hundred yards and everything came into it, but that was just kind of blown coverage. It was a fly route. Yeah, out of all I, the things, because I I, I I like seeing the NFL app has these great insights on the game. And yeah. Really, the only thing that they could talk about was Stefan Diggs because there was not much else positive to talk about from that game. Uh, it's, I mean, it was, going. Yeah, and it but, wasn't even one of those defensive battles that are yeah. going on because of the weather that you have. It was just really like it felt like everybody was tired. Mm. And I'm tired of these football games where no one shows up kind of thing. And I understand. I understand. I am just demanding so much of what my entertainment is, but my weekends are valuable. And to make not just one, but two of my weekends just full of like duds or it felt like duds is kind of almost unacceptable to me. And this is why, like, and I was talking about with my buddy, we hung out Friday or no Sunday. And I said, you know, my thing about football is, especially with the show, I'll watch it. I know what's going on. And everything like that but you know that's three hours of my life we're professionals man and i don't necessarily want to lose almost eight hours of my day watching something that's only bringing me minimum joy and i can watch the casual games too and that's why this is why i game when i watch these games <laughs> yeah but i didn't even want to make that set approach yeah and the i think last week with the um which one was the snooze oh i i had to watch the the pack the same very good and that was just terrible. Mm. And then watching um, this game was just bleh. The NFC games were better, even though I didn't watch the Aaron Rodgers yeah. game. We'll touch in a second. And then what was the other AFC game? Uh, oh, so we talked about it earlier. But, Kansas um, City. Brown, Browns, Kansas City. So everybody's a Browns fan now. We betray Can- Kansas City wins one championship after the 50 years of sucking, has the most humble head coach, who was the only head coach who wore the little damn you know welder mask, mm-hmm. and you saw his little air bubbles. Yeah. But because Cleveland Browns, we now hate Kansas City. Cleveland Browns It's are amazing now how that's... I've noticed that, because now it's like, oh, Kansas City's the big bad team that's... like People are treating them like they're, like they're the Patriots. It's like, no. I mean, they get Patrick Mahomes is the new big star, and everybody loves Andy Reid. You know, nobody's Not hating far. on him. But now it's like, oh, yeah, Kansas City's too powerful. It's just going to be them. And it's like, this is only the second year of yeah. uh, since they and won the championship. Saw, and you saw the hyenas come out, man, when Mahomes went down. Yeah. Ooh, I was guaranteed. Y'all, y'all don't really like Kansas City. <laughs> you just liked last year that it wasn't Tom Brady. Well, guess what, folks? You're going to get it in tenfold. You might get a bite. <laughs> we might get it. Yeah, we might get like, I don't know. Well, I don't know. Worst case scenario for a lot of people in NFL, maybe, but yeah. Uh, 
I didn't watch the KC game. All I know, all I saw was that Chad Henney is still alive. I didn't know yeah. that. He's starting an AFC championship game because even though they say Mahomes is clear, if the NFL really cares about concussion protocol and if the Chiefs don't want to jeopardize a young man's, you know, health and brain, don't start him. Mm. Because the, the loss will be justified. Hear me out. I'll say it now as predictions. If you lose starting Chad Henney, nobody would blame you. I, 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 oh man, I, Mahomes, I have a feeling he's going to play. I have a, I, I don't, uh, uh, first off, I think he, he will want to play. We all know that. Where he's the $500 million man. Man, sheesh. But he's he's sitting there. He's got he could create a, that legacy. You know, everybody wants that legacy. You know, he's already got the money. Now it's about that legacy. And so, oh, he get that the Jordan flu game. Everybody wants one of those, like the the, the Patrick Mahomes back from concussion game. I don't know that. I feel like he's gonna play. I feel it. It's, oh man. You know what's kind of crazy though? Mahomes has concussion. Jackson got the concussion too. And that was bad. That screwed everything. Yeah. At least you have Chad Henney. And I know people are like, Charles, we've had Chad Henney. Don't say that. That's better than Tyler Huntley coming in there. And that offense just went to crap right after. But, you know, all I'm saying, Kansas City, if you start Chad Henney and you lose, no one is going to put an asterisk on your fantastic season where they went, what, 15 and 1, 14 and 2? Yeah. Um, there's going to be a lot of – all you're going to get is a lot of grief if you lose and you start Mahomes. Mahomes can have almost a perfect game, but no one's going to remember the heroes like that. Just saying. Yeah. You know. And on to the NFC. So, boy, Meh. Rogers. Meh. Listen, he's <laughs> failing at the biggest stage is what I would love because if not – I couldn't do it because it's just the Rams. Let's throw some stats no- out here. Let's see. They had three touchdowns, two passing, one rushing, 296 yards, 12 games with 250-plus yards, and two touchdown passes, second most all time with Joe Montana. Uh, Aaron Donald was hurt. There's no Cooper Cup. You know, and it was a good defense that he faced doing that. You know, the Rams gave up the uh, the least amount of passing touchdowns this year. So, you know, just that. Uh, and Cam Akers was the only Rams player that showed up. So, <laughs> yeah, Cam, you know what? Cam Akers was the guy I was scouting in fantasy football, but he didn't trust the Rams. But I remember him putting a little bit of that, little bit of that, uh, that beating mm. on us when he was playing for FSU when you were playing. So, you know, I think highly of him. Side note, I forgot that we have stream elements, even though they're not sponsors, but you guys can see Jamal Murray and the Nuggets host the Oklahoma City Thunders at 9 p.m. Yeah. Action. Well, game. actually, that's not a sponsor. That's uh, we now have Twitter updates from NBA and NHL in case there's breaking news or anything that happens during the show. We can be like, "Oh, dang!" You know, I kind of, I kind of like that. Um, yeah. Look, I, I'm going to put this on the record. I have never said that Aaron Rodgers is trash. I just think he's overrated. overrated. There you go. And it comes into a lot of it because if he's so great, if he's that fantastic. Where's that other ring? And I know what you're saying, Charles. Don't pull that lot uh, He's got the one. You know how many players don't even get one? Come on now. I know he's got the same amount as Brad Johnson and Trent Dilfer, but still. Yeah. The present company, right? But this is what I got to tell people. Because I found that I think what started this is there was a lot of excuses that kind of came into it. But this is people forget that Packers team 
was super dominant. It's not as if they all went to hell. Hell, man. The year they won the Super Bowl, they went 15-1 the, the next year, and they lost to the Giants. Yeah. The, the window was there. I'm just saying is the window is closed now where you just have great success of a quarterback, but it doesn't mean you have great team productions. Yes, the defense is scarier because they spent money on real teams because they don't have Ted Thompson around. And, yes, the Jordan Love. I mean, they've surrounded him with better players now. He's actually got a way better coach because, you know, McCarthy just sucks. I, I don't. I don't know, man. I'm not. A, I'm not the whole. I'm not on Michael Foreman because remember, I'm a little butt hurt because he was our coordinator. Mm. Mind you, if you guys want to read stuff on coordinators, go read Charles's blog on our website. Oh, oh, yeah. oh. oh yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Charles's musings uh, now. Well, listen. I gotta say this: if if the petty gods that are out there that support me, and I guess I have to go sacrifice like a goat over the weekend. But think about it this way: would I not be validated? in everything I've been saying about overrated and, and can't really just win as the way that you think he's going to win if he loses to Tom Brady this weekend. The ultimate, there's no way. I can say it with face, knowing that there's a part of me that's lying, saying that Aaron Rodgers is overrated. I can't say that about Tom Brady. Mm. Can you imagine the smug look on my face? Because guess what? They did lose once already. And also, guess what? Vitvea is coming back. That boy is going to stop Aaron uh. Jones. Yeah, this is, is going to be and, really interesting, man, because, uh, yeah, okay, the, the other game, yeah, the, the the old man bowl we had. Drew Brees is done. It's he's over. Done. Like it, he, yeah, that's a good transition to yeah. the other game. He's exactly. Done. Yeah, no, he's – he did, it, It's bad. If that's, yeah, if that's the way he's going out, good. For, good. He didn't have, like, Dan Marino implosion. Um, but yeah, it is time. I don't know, man. We, we saw all the videos afterwards, him with the kids and whatever at the end. Oh, he was like, uh, he go, was crying. Yeah, go, go, go make your millions of dollars uh, in the booth. You're, you'll be fine there. But it's time. It's time. You have not. He's got nothing more to prove. He's going to Hall of Fame. He's got his ring. Save New Orleans franchise. What else can you do? All right. He's gonna have a statue out there. It, it's 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 all it's all well and good. You know what the hard part is, though? New Orleans did not plan this. Oh. Say what you will about drafting Jordan Love. But in case something happened, whatsoever, uh, they got somebody. Who yeah. do you got? Taysom Hill? Jameis. Jameis. Jameis? One-year deal. Yeah, well, they might bring him back. Let's see what... Or, Let's do Jameis again. You hope that Carolina cuts Teddy B, and that's a possibility. Matt Rule is not I safe. Mean, he's not been there well. already, yeah. And he played the best with him. Yeah, that's true. He knows the the system and everything like that. That's the long game. It's like you're letting your man get paid, and because he had a bad season, gets cut by the Panthers. You can underpay him. Mm-hmm. It's when Mickey Loomis get it done, yeah. but um. They, and one thing I've always said of when it's time to get rid of a quarterback, and I guess this is the the GM in me. If I ever became a GM, I wouldn't be cheap, but I'm logical. The minute a quarterback costs a third of your salary cap is the minute you really get rid of him, unless he's a generational talent. It's not like we're getting Deshaun Watson. That's the problem with them old quarterbacks is they end up costing you a lot of cash that you are not going to have. The Pittsburgh Steelers, mind you, it's a one-year deal, but they like to rework some stuff. Look at how much uh, Drew put them in a cash, uh, cash-free cash hell, you know, salary cap hell by all the times he wanted more money. He was eating up 30, 40 mil coming into it. That's a lot of cabbage. 
Yeah. You don't have the cash for it, man. And now, now you're without though, because you can always kind of pay for that backup, pay for that guy who you think is going to contribute, and it's just not there right now. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, New Orleans gonna have to figure out some options. Sheesh. You got Jameis out there. You got Teddy Bridgewater, Cam, maybe. I don't even know. <laughs> yeah, you know, Cam's gonna be a listen. If I had to do predictions, Cam is gonna be a backup in Philadelphia yeah. because I still don't think Carson's gonna be there. I think that relationship's irreparable, even if they filed him. And I think the ha- what's happening is Philly's going to see some suitors because there's, you know, we don't know if Philip Rivers is coming back, but, you know, Frank Reich coached um, Carson Wentz. There's a lot of an appeal there. And I don't think Carson's that guy where Philly can say no to, mm-hmm. you know? I don't think they would say no to any trade. Yeah. I'll tell you right now, delete it to the other thing. Deshaun Watson's not going anywhere. Stop reading the gotcha news. Stop it. Stop reading the Adam Sh- and I like Adam Schefter. Stop reading the Adam Schefter reports where they go and they say, "Oh, hey, um, sources say that this is really the last time." The NFL yeah. is not the NBA where a star forces himself out there. The last quarterback that I can recall that put himself out was Carson Palmer when he was with the Cincinnati Bengals, and he was like, "I'm gonna retire. I'm gonna retire." He didn't want to go to that team. And then what did they do? They trade in Oakland. I still – I don't know if I like Carson Palmer or not. I'm just going to say that right now because I remember kind of thinking of how fake he was when he did his interview like a week after he got sent to Oakland. He's like, oh, it's amazing. Two weeks ago I was a retired quarterback, and now I'm in this franchise. Oh, that doesn't work. You don't have – that's what he said. Go find it. I yeah. remember it. It's safe with you. Deshaun, 25, dollars in the contract, but like 125 guaranteed, five years. Yes, Bill O'Brien set you back, but – if you're going to kind of complain, and, and I, I guess it's a deeper philosophy, but it's going to be the biggest off-season news. So I guess that's why we're going to talk about now, aside from the presumed matchups in a moment, is that, okay, so Nick Cesario wasn't, you weren't consulted about him being hired. There might be some more behind-the-scenes stuff. I don't know how much, it's not like a player I think can necessarily contribute to a hiring of a GM. A coach, absolutely. 100% agree. But a GM that's a different kind of XOs, and I'm not saying that Deshaun's not intelligent. He's wisely intelligent, likable. He plays in my division, and I love him, and I would love to have him on my team. But he is generational, and Houston is not stupid enough to give away a gen- – he was generational the moment he stepped up to the field. So when I read the stories about him going to Miami, I laugh. They don't want Tua because Tua's not special. Tua might be serviceable. He might develop. I think if Miami actually gave him weapons, it's a different story. But – they know what they're getting out of. The guy was a rookie who was projected to break like 30 touchdowns at 4,500 yards, and he just tore his knee. And you then you would need the equivalent of the Herschel Walker trade in order to get him out of Houston right now. Absolutely. And the thing is, is the ball's on his court. He has a no trade clause, but if a guy wants to be traded, I don't think he would enforce it because, you know, if I was them, I'd be like, okay, we're going to put you in like a hellhole team. Who are you? The Patriots want you fine. They have no capital. They have no gains. They don't have weapons to go in there. You know, it's a, interesting to say, but New England right now would be like a black hole for them, yeah. just as an example. So he's not going anywhere. Stop it with that logic. It's not happening. But it's amazing because you have somebody who's 25 looming around dying in Houston and to bring it all back together. You have the young guys in the AFC, and then you have the old guys, no matter what. We're gonna have a QB who's over the age of thirty-five. Yeah, that's that's what I like about the uh, it's it's new guard versus old guard right now. Yeah, yeah I mean, you well, you might have Chad Henney if if the Chiefs pull off a miracle. And it's all 
different styles of play too. That's what I appreciate most about it. Yeah. You know, you have the UFC, yeah, you have two big arm guys, but um, Josh Allen runs much more. Yeah. I mean, Josh Allen's really like Steve McNair did, and I kind of admire the hell out of that. I said this to my friend the other day. He's like, yeah, I kind of see it because I remember his um, MVP season that he co-shared with uh, Peyton. I think it was 2003, 2004, maybe. Hmm. It's been a long time. Yeah. Um, he was just running and gunning and doing everything he can just putting that team on his back. And then you have Brady who is – it's the cast of weapons because he didn't play that great against New Orleans either because um, Marshall Lattimore was kind of around, but he can't cover everybody, right? Um, and they have Gardner Johnson was the other one. And then you have Aaron Rodgers who really is just him to Devontae Adams. But Devontae Adams kind of shut down a little bit. You know, I mean, it wasn't as amazing and aspiring, but – um, yeah, I'd be weary of that too. So I, I want to see what that kind of leads us to. And I hate to say it, but you know who I want this outcome to come out to? Tom. I want to be I want to be Tom and Buffalo. And what greater story than the menace? Because who was the happiest people when Tom Brady signed with the Buccaneers? Everybody the in the AFC. Don't you? Everybody in the AFC too. But it was mostly the Bills, right? Yeah. Because there, there have been one of the only few to actually get to the playoffs like twice out of like 15, 20 years yeah. that Tom's been there. And they go and get it. Wouldn't you love your Super Bowl headline to be Tom Brady tears that ass up one more time? Oh, my I, God. I want that. I want that. I want that. My, my, one of my best friends is a huge Bills fan. I told him, I'm sorry, but I need to see this. <laughs> I see Tom Brady be the Buccaneers against Buffalo. It's like, a, that- it's like a horrible horror movie villain. Uh, it's that phrase um um your best day on uh, my worst day you would never catch me and that is that would be the oh proof. you know what it's like it's like cloud and sephiroth doesn't matter what game cloud is in next thing you know sephiroth's like i'm here <laughs> yeah. because here's the thing i'm at, if brady wins wouldn't buffalo wouldn't that be the most special mm. super bowl win for buffalo one they've been to the dance four times and never closed it out mm-hmm. but what greater way to pull that off than to go against the man who deprived you yeah. of all those Super Bowls, who got all his Super Bowls with that one team in your division yeah. and waxed you poetically, where you had to deal with J.P. Lossman and Trent Edwards mm. and freaking Ryan Fitzpatrick and Drew Bledsoe, a, a Patriot scrub coming into it. You had to go yeah. through all these guys. And I could list much more of the Bills because they have had – Almost just as many horrible quarterbacks as the Dolphins. Have yeah, had at their yeah, and the Jets. Yeah, they're everybody in the AFC East. Everybody in the AFC East. Pretty much. I mean, the Jets get away with it a little bit because even though they had some opportunities, the, yeah, the Jets. Yeah, they had like those even, those two seasons with like Rex Ryan and and Sanchez, but yeah, and Pennington a little bit too. But yeah, yeah. So it it just kind of comes in, but man, after after everything that they've kind of come from and what they do and they couldn't get it done with Jim Kelly, that's your last great guy. What great way to solidify Josh Allen's success than to have that beat Tom Brady, yeah. right? Or how great oh, yeah, they, would it they, be? They'd build the statue for him right away. Yeah, but how great also would it be if Tom Brady did that as a And that would be... Oh, it wasn't Bill Belichick at all. It was Tom Brady the entire time. Oh, yeah. Boy. I, I, I would love that so much. Uh, I, I need Okay. All right. So, yeah, that's the NFL. Let me get one of the small segments out of the way, and then we can uh, transition on over to the cage to close it out. All right? All right. Okay. So, let me uh, – let's see what can we work with here. 
I get that. It's not the nod sponsors. Uh, let's go with Uncultured Swine. Uncultured Swine's always a good choice, because even now and then we talk a little bit about what we think we know, but we have to educate ourselves a little. we got to smart ourselves up, boys and girls. Yeah. I decided to dip right back into that that India population there that we 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 now have <laughs> so we're gonna do another cricket team here. yeah exactly exactly all right like 18 countries strong we're doing the I, I i hope i'm gonna pronounce this right the rajasthan royals all right they also have a royals team out there see they went with the alliteration unlike the last team which was very upsetting i forgot what was the name the mumbai, of it. the mumbai indians yeah, and I, I don't know if I call, said me the Mumbai Mashers and Mumbai Monsters or something like that. But the it's Mumbai Mambo, that's what you were saying, yeah. Yeah, the, the Mambos, that's yeah. right. Yeah, so... But the Royals, the Royals get it. Yeah. They understand me. Yeah, then they got the, the basically almost the same uh, color scheme as the Kansas City Royals there. You know, blue, gold, white, there you go. So, Rajasthan Royals, established 2008. Playing the Indian Premier League. They won one championship, the inaugural championship of the Premier League in 2008. Uh, funny thing was, they were the underdog that entire season. They were, nobody had them winning that championship uh, or a championship that season. But lo and behold, they win the first one ever. That's the only one they've got. Uh, but they've run into a bit of trouble in their time as a t- as, as a team back in 2010 the bcci which is india's cricket governing body they expelled the team from the league but the royals appealed they remained in the league while the appeal was uh was going on and ultimately a court uh didn't move forward the case the bcci dropped it entirely and they remain but then they received a two-year ban in 2015 the owner was doing some sketchy things and uh, lo and behold he is banned for life from the league jesus <laughs> yeah it was it thing i i don't know it had something to do with like uh like uh like bids on the team i don't know something about like the ownership of the team itself i, I don't know if he was like Doing some sort of insider trading. I have no idea. Something like that. Eve Khan of the Mets. Yeah, I guess. Me. I have no idea. I, I I try to look it up. Honestly, I honestly try to figure out what the what it was, but uh, I, I couldn't figure it out. Oh, they had a 2013 betting scandal. So there's another thing there. Actually, whoa. I think that okay, that was part of it too. That was part of it. But there was some sketchy stuff with the owner there too. So some betting. Some some things like that. Never good when betting is involved in the league. So that that's what happened there, and and they play at uh, I'm probably gonna butcher this name. So why Mansing Stadium, cricket stadium you in? What happened? You said it with confidence. Uh, yeah, yeah. So why Mansing? Um, the Singh part, Mansing, whatever. Uh, cricket stadium in, in Jaipur, Rajasthan, India. Seats about 30,000 people opened in the very nice year of 1969. That's all I can say about that stadium. They hosted one test and 19 ODIs. I have no idea what those are. 
I think the test is like a test match between India and Pakistan. Those 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 are perennial rivals in sports and in life. Uh, yeah, you can read all about that later on on your own time about the hostilities between India and Pakistan. I won't get into it. You won't get into it either, Charles. Uh, we're not going to touch that. We are uncultured swine, and we know our place. So we won't get into that. And that's all I can say. There you go, Rajasthan Royals. And yeah, that, that's, uh, you know, if you, yeah. Do you think your walkout music is Royals by Lord? <laughs> They're missing an opportunity. You're, you're giving all of these teams different songs. Ah, damn it, man. The Panthers are losing right now. Uh, all right. Well then, Charles, let's uh, let's close out the show, shall we? Well, let's get to it. Welcome, everybody, to your weekly Truplex and Cage with Charles. A couple of things that we always say in our honorary introductions for the first time. Listeners, wrestling is not fake. It is scripted. It is a staged fight. It is a dance. It is a ballet. It is a story of men and women chasing championships, out for blood, trying to prove themselves and prove who they are and just succeed and also beat the holy hell out of each other. Now, it's kind of a quiet time in wrestling world for Charles. Yes and no, you ask. But Charles, isn't it January? It is. It's WWE time, right? Yes. So you've been watching, right? No. <laughs> because the problem is, what's coming up? The Royal Rumble starts next week. We're going to do this show a little bit differently because it's kind of quiet, a little bit of wrestling. So I'll have my own little learning goof around Culture Swine. Royal Rumble. What do we know about it? Because I always do a men's and a women's of it. 30 Men enter the men's respective Royal Rumble. 30 women enter the respective Royal Rumble for their thing. You know, they go by the entries after a couple, what, I think 90 seconds or so. Then they bring in more people every three minutes. The countdowns are fun. But whoever is the last person standing gets a championship shot at WrestleMania. Now, mind you, the last couple of Royal Rumble winners have been, I want to say the word deflated or they're, they're, you know, their, their carriedness of things has kind of gone down because of certain things. CV happened. So Drew McIntyre won last year's Royal Rumble. He won against Brock Lesnar at Mania. Beat Brock Lesnar. Um, winner of the Women's Royal Rumble was Charlotte Flair, who went on to challenge the NXT Championship from Rhea Ripley. She ended up being Rhea. You'll see that happen a lot. I always kind of say the Royal Rumble is the beginning of the um, reset, really. So if you have your holiday mid-season finale that comes into it for TV shows. That's why I would assign the Royal Rumble. Of course, the WrestleMania is a reset at the beginning of the new season. Um, so we have some things that are pretty interesting leading into that. But we're looking at the Royal Rumble. I really don't know who's going to win. I have no idea. This is one of those uh, years where partially because of the barren roster that's been going on because of CV, it, you can put in some of the familiars, but Vince might have to just cast weight onto somebody that might be unworthy of everything or just a predictable thing that comes into it. So do you put in the AJ Styles? I mean, Randy Orton and his burnt face and all, because that's a fun storyline they're doing. You might get it. And then there's just like this weird thing that's happening where people would just declare to be entered into the Royal Rumble, and then you'll have other people who are like, oh, yeah, uh, I have to have a match to prove it. I don't know. I can't even give you any predictions. I don't even know who's going to win the women's. And it's kind of exciting because normally I know who like the the last like five years or not the five years. I know like the last five people I might say has a chance. Last year's Royal Rumble, I knew Drew was probably in there because they were pushing him a little bit. But then they had surprises like Edge. Roman Reigns was in it. He's always kind of in the last one, but he's not going to be in this year. Why? Because he's the champion, even though he's defending his title against Kevin Owens. More on that in a second. But the Royal Rumble comes a lot of credibility. It's almost like having 
I don't want to say it's like having the MVP, but it's something that if you had to build a character on a little bit of learning group session, aside from being the guy who gets your title shot, it's something that you're always referencing. He's won the Royal Rumble X amount of times. He's Mr. Royal Rumble. It's stuff like that. It's the moniker that you build into it. The most wins for uh, Royal Rumble is Stone Cold Steve Austin, I believe, with three. Sean had two. I think Sean got it back-to-back, 95 and 96. And it allows you to kind of have an easy build to your WrestleMania. This year is going to be kind of interesting because if I don't know who's going to win, Vince probably doesn't know who's going to win. And that's concerning, all intents and purposes. I have a prediction, though. And I'll give you the full roster of who it might be of what I assume like in the top five. But I think they're going to try the well again with Keith Lee. And they're given that opportunity, but we might get Keith Lee as a heel, essentially, between him and Drew. Because him and Drew had a good match on Legends Night. I didn't watch it because I do, every time it's WWE Legends Night, I change the channel because that's just me. I'm, I'm sick of old wrestlers stealing the spotlight from new stars. So that why that's why I'm absolutely furious that Goldberg, of all people, is having a WWE championship against Drew McIntyre. And here's the thing. It's pure 50-50. I think foreseeably Goldberg could win. Because he beat The Fiend last year at a random Saudi Arabia pay-per-view and then dropped the belt to uh, Braun Strowman because CV. But, you know, Vince wants to put Goldberg versus Roman Reigns in the Master of Spears concept, which makes no sense because Goldberg doesn't pin you with the spear. He pins you with the damn jackhammer. So we have Goldberg versus Drew. That's terrifying. Drew has CV. The ratings have, uh, on Raw have been low. Francisco. They've been under 2 million since like Drew's been champion. And no one's really going to say it's because of CB. People are going to say it's because of probably Drew being the main guy. And you look at Drew, he's a strong built guy. He's handsome looking. He's gotten better than Mike. He looks like he could beat you up. Yeah. But Vince, man, he always attributes those championships to, uh, and the ratings. And if those ratings are down, maybe it's you. And then you look at Goldberg. Everybody knows who Goldberg is. Everybody knows who's a streak. Everybody knows who's yeah. next. People forget the fact that he tried to break the Undertaker's neck at the Saudi Arabia pay-per-view event that they had because he's 50-something and old, very well built. He's one of those guys who looks like he'd beat the hell out of me. Yeah. But, if you know, an does, polygon of you, you're old. Yeah. You know, it doesn't mean he's a capable wrestler, but – there's a strong possibility, and that scares me. Royal Rumble's January 31st, so I might be a week too prime onto it, but here we are in the conversation. Um, so let's go talk about the focus for WWE, because I really don't have much on AEW New Japan. I'll talk a little bit about Impact and their card for a second. But um, what you have is, like, Roman Reigns has really been carrying show. SmackDown has been fantastic this year. And you have Roman Reigns who was supposed to go against Adam Pierce, who is a figurehead in the WWE. And then he's telling Roman, listen, Roman, I'm going to give you one last chance. Back out of this. You don't want this. And Roman and his hubris is like, I want you. And I want you in a last man standing match. So the old swerve came around. Because I thought we were going to get Nakamura. I did. But it came to be uh, Kevin Owens. So we're going to get a conclusion that feud. And they're going to be in a last man sta- a challenging match. And their matches have been stellar. Their match at TLC was beautiful because Roman had to cheat to win. Their match in the, in the uh, cage on SmackDown after Christmas was stellar. I think it was for New Year's Eve or New Year's Day of how they titled it was stellar. It was beautiful. Roman had to cheat. My concern is this. I believe the match is going to be excellent. It comes full circle because this is weird when wrestling comes full circle to me. Four years ago, Roman Reigns and Kevin Owens met at Royal Rumble for Kevin Owens' Universal Championship, right? And Chris Jericho, who's on the AEW now, was put in a shark cage and hanging above. And it ended with Roman or Kevin Owens had help because Braun Strowman came out of nowhere, 
and just like put Roman through a table, thus helping Owens reclaim his championship and, and keep it. You're, you're going to have it four years later, and you're going to get the same story result. It's amazing. I know Owens is going to lose. I don't think Vince has the balls to pull that trigger, even though I think he should because Owens should be the endgame because how they've done this feud, how Owens has kind of put himself out there, it feels like a new Steve Austin. you know, And that's what they really kind of need because even though you can create new talent, I know what you're saying, Charles, you always say create new talent, but you can always create an evolution or a rebirth of a character, I would say. You know, just one of those things, you know, the undertaker Bray Wyatt, there was always that kind of weird connection, just the way the mindsets are, the wrestling skills are different, but Steen even, or Steen, that's his old India's name. Cause I've been watching the ring of honor stuff. Owens even does the stunner, man. Like you could have it because what greater way to bring down the franchise with someone who's the anti-franchise. I don't think Vince is going to do it, but it's going to be a last man in sending match. But I think the results are going to be similar from four years ago because somebody, and it's not going to be Jay Roman's cousin, who comes out and helps uh, Roman win this last man standing match. It'll probably be Jimmy, the other cousin, who's a twin that the tag teams of the Usos, and they'll be back at full strength. And you can run that to probably SummerSlam. But I'm I'm amazed that it mirrors like that. It's great. It, it, I think it was all incidental, or maybe Vince does have a plan. The rest of the card is kind of underdeveloped. I'm figuring that Randy... And The Fiend are going to go on to Mania, which is fine because full story comes to a close or all comes full circle because Bray and Randy went against each other at Mania a couple of years back, about three years ago, for WWE Championship. Now there'll be no title, but you can always have it back. And put. I always like Bray getting his credibility. I like him getting his rub. I like him succeeding. It would be beef of one. Chef's kiss. The women's titles, I don't think, have really kind of been put out there. I don't know who Sasha's going against. I don't know who um, Asuka's going against. They don't even utilize Asuka. Just merge titles. Same thing with the SmackDown Tag Team Championships, uh, Raw Tag Team Championships. Riddle and Bobby Lashley it entertains me. It cracks me up. It's stupid, and I like it. But right now is not really the time where I watch all Raw because when I talk about the Royal Rumble bill lacking is that you're not bringing in a lot of blood feuds, man. You're not bringing in a lot of title feuds. Right now, the only things that are invested are obviously The Fiend and Randy. But we know that's going to go past Royal Rumble, but we kind of know what's going to happen is that Bray's going to come back as the Fiend character and probably screw Randy over in the Royal Rumble. That's a natural building to a bigger storyline at the at to Mania, basically, the Royal Mania. And the only other storyline that we care about is Roman and Owens, because with Drew, it's just kind of been like, I'm going to beat you, Goldberg. And Goldberg's like, I'm going to beat you. And I'm like, someone beat me to death because I can't watch that match. And I have to watch that match. <laughs> That's what's terrible. And you know I will text you and Andrew and be like, Goldberg just beat this man. Uh, oh, yeah. How the hell and I'll be crying because I do that every time when there's a crazy reaction. Over in other happy worlds, New Japan, they're still setting up everything to new beginnings. Everything's kind of slow right now, but I believe their pay-per-view is January 30th. I expect Sonata and um, Kota to put on an excellent match. Everything else is weird. I don't know how I feel about Shingo Takagi versus Hirohoshi Tanahashi for the Open Neverweight Championship. I think it should be a banger, but what are we doing with the ace, man? I think it's time to kind of make him into a bad guy. 20 years in the business, you're allowed to do that. Um, or at least have him challenge up to Kota and get something going on there. There's some history. Him and Kota were a tag team a couple months ago when they were trying to go for the World Tag Team Classics. But I'm interested to see what they're doing there. Um, I, I'm trying to figure out what they're going to do with the Bullet Club, and that's very relevant to everything we're about to talk about. So the Bullet Club, to learn a goof segment, is a stable created from New Japan, originally with Finn Balor, Prince of it over there, um, who is on NXT, but is also in WWE. 
and came up with Carl Anderson and, and then included a lot of other guys that are everywhere. AJ Styles was in it. Kenny Omega was in it. The Young Bucks were in it. Adam Hangman Page was in it. Adam Cole was in it. So many people are in, um, you know, the the Bullet Club. It's like, you know, the joke of like Stifler's mom, that kind of joke. You know, think about it like American Pie. Um, but now the leader of Bullet Club, Jay White, is supposedly leaving. Can't see him with quotation marks, but I really think that's a storyline. It's a work because remember, who joined Bullet Club? Evil. What did Evil do? Won the championships. Lost them, of course, back to Tetsuya Naito, but it happens, right? But then we have um, you know, Jay White, who was not successful when he challenged Kota in the second night of Russell Kingdom 15. So maybe this is actually like a real storyline being developed of like, let's destroy the stable from within. They already tried a couple years back, about a year and change to the day, when Tamatanga, Tamalao, um, Bad luck fail, and then Haiku of all people, because he's related to them, of course. Um, where we call the uh, what do they call them? They, they're not the OGs, but they call themselves the OGs, but the cleaning crew or this, whatever. You know, there was something that come to me because I haven't thought about, it, but now I think about it. But basically, they were taking out the dead weight, right? Um, so now they're bringing maybe the whole like Jay White versus Evil storyline come to a head, and it'll do something to dissolve the Bullet Club. But then we took a very interesting turn. Because last Wednesday, remember how I talked about Kenny Omega and the Young Bucks and then Carl Anderson and Luke Gallows, the Good Brothers, and how they're all together in Bullet Club? Last Wednesday was interesting because in AEW world, it was supposed to be Kenny Omega teaming up with the Young Bucks to go against whomever or whatever, you know, to go from um, to beat up some dudes because the Young Bucks turned heel again. They, they've been going left, right. It's like flipping a coin of good guy, bad guy. Uh, Hiroki Goto is good, by the way. I should send you some. Tomohiro Ishii, Stone Pitbull is like fantastic. I love it. It's like 42 years old. You beat the hell out of all of us. Um, bringing it back as uh, I'm going off on a tangent here. But um, so at the end of Dynamite, what happens is it wasn't the Young Bucks that come out. Kenny has Anderson and Gallows come out. Young Bucks like, what the hell? And then at Hard to Kill, TNA or Impact's pay-per-view it was the main event. Kenny Omega and the Good Brothers teamed up to go against Rich Swan, Moose, and then um, Chris Saban because Alex Shelley was out so they could have Motor City Machine Guns. And Kenny was coming out with an orange Bullet Club shirt. So right now you have AEW, Impact, and possibly New Japan feathering in the ideas of this cross-brand rivalry. And I mm-hmm. talked about what the pitfalls could be last week, but it's a continuation of it. Now, I like the idea that it was kind of a swerve that the young bucks might be, you know, joining with Kenny and then the good brothers, because now my position to the young bucks who are your AW tag team champions going against the good brothers who are your impact world tag team champions. So I like that idea. It doesn't seem to me now it's going to be kind of like a smoldering of youth versus what's cool and popular. Cause I always believe a program has to let their wrestlers grow. What we're doing in new Japan though is what if we fracture it all? And we have like a multi-organizational allegiance. It's like a proxy war for true leadership of uh, the Bullet Club. It's probably the most invested that other people will be outside of the WWE who are casual fan base. And I'm like, I'm like amazed by it. I like the idea of it because I like me some AEW, man. You know, I watch it. You know, sometimes it's a beat out on NXT because it's there, but. AEW's been putting on a little bit better show than NXT lately. And of course, the Brody Tribute. And then they're going to celebrate his son's birthday on Wednesday, which is good. I like things that make me feel a little good in this world, right? Mm. Opens up my heart. Makes it feel. It's like the Grinch. It's growing not three times as too big, but like two <laughs> times too big. You know, bro, Cody, follow us on Twitter. FJOJR, Charles the True, Dan Frijole, Sports Scoops. Just follow us. We know we audit. Eddie Kingston's still a gift. He was on... Um, 
Renee Paquette's uh, podcast, Oral Sessions. She's the wife of John Moxley. She used to be a former um, everything, really, WWE, except for a wrestler. But she did the interviews. Backstage, she was on the announce booth. That was very interesting. She did a good little um, interview with Eddie Kingston, who you know I'm a fan of. I might just send that to you guys. It's like three minutes. So you get like little uh, brief snippets of that to see what those characters look like. But AEW is interesting. They're still working on the Dark Order. I don't know if Hangman Page is going to join or not. I don't know if they want to build that story. And I don't know if uh, everybody at the Brain Trust that is over at AEW wants to make the Dark Order still heels when they have better things as faces. So it's all just interesting. And will I be watching wrestling? Of course. But is it good right now? Not yet. Because this is what happens when you get the slow seasons. Because Mania is really when it's going to pick up. Because what do we know about Mania and the Royal Rumble? Royal Rumble can only have one winner per division, men's and women's. What are you going to do with all the other freaking titles that you have in WWE, right? Only one person can challenge Universal or the World Championship. Can you build better stories for the opposite side? And that's all I got for you right now, man. Okay. All right, then. Well, I think that's it for us for this edition of the show, Charles. I agree. Yeah, we we had a great guest on John Hartafillis. Y'all want to thank you, John? Yeah, yeah, I want to listen to him. Gen Z hoops and uh, Andrew. Hope you're you're having a lot of fun out there. We'll hopefully have you on with us again next week. And uh, I guess we will sign out from here. Uh, oh no, we got an actual. Facebook. Hold on, Charles. Before we before we leave, somebody who will the Royal Russ Rumble, bro? I, I don't know if he asking who will win the Royal Rumble by Rossi uh, Silva. I'm gonna I'm gonna take it as win. So it's tough. Like I said, they haven't had a lot of build. Mm-hmm. Pandemic's been kind of interfering with the Baron with the Baron Ross app. But if I had to predict it, I think they're gonna. If I had to give one name, I think they're gonna go Keefley. And I think what they're gonna do is heal Keefley because him and Drew already had that match on Legends Night. It was. Very good. The problem with the Keith Lee character is inconsistent as hell. But just like they did Drew last year, you can build credibility in three months if you have a guy just be a menace and beat everybody. Because Lee came onto the main roster around backlash time, which was what, September? Beat Randy Orton, did nothing with it. Had a title shot, lost. They're not going to do the whole mid-card rise to the level when the U.S. or Intercontinental Championship and then get to... Uh, a main title, I think Vince is going to kind of hot shot it because someone's got to take that title off of Drew. He's had it for basically 11 months, right? Except for that three weeks that he lost to Randy at Hell in a Cell, he's had it and it just hasn't worked for ratings. I have not been invested into it. I think I would like Drew as a heel champion and he'll get his opportunity. Um, one of my other friends says Seth Rollins, but I think that's too hokey. Seth's not ready yet, right? Because I know Vince is going to eventually want heel Roman versus face Seth, but we're not there yet. If anything, let's build to that. Or it could be Daniel Bryan. Daniel Bryan and Roman have a lot of history together. I just feel like it's a it's a little bit of a bait and switch because Daniel Bryan's been saying, "Yeah, I'm the only one who can take Roman Reigns," and they have history, and the fan base loves you know Daniel Bryan. But here's the thing: we don't have the fan base right now. There's no live crowds. We can't get that emotion. So I think Vince will want to try a shiny new toy instead of doing something that he'd rather have people around us. Right? That's my logic. Granted, it might be best for business. But wouldn't you also love – you got to think about it this way for people who didn't like Roman Reigns because he was very unlikable for many years, Francisco, because he was just pooped on a lot because he wasn't the indies guy. Mm. But wouldn't it be so great to have people – and I love Daniel Bryan. He's probably top two best wrestlers out there, Techn- technical wrestling, submission wrestling, all that stuff, to go against Roman and to get 
obliterated by Roman. Because the heat that you would get as a heel is so important. But also, here's the thing about Daniel Bryan. I think he's kind of done winning the big ones. I think he wants to put over the new guys. That's why he laid on his back for Buddy Murphy a year and change ago. That's why he laid on his back for Nakamura. And he lost to Cesaro on Friday, last Friday. And Cesaro is criminally underrated. Cesaro, follow our show. I love you. You're hysterical. Great wrestler. Fantastic wrestler. Always kind of pivoted as a tag team guy. Can't even get a singles push because it's it's him being foreign, I feel. Vince doesn't like to take that chance if he can't speak that well. And Mike and Fra- uh, Francisco Cesaro speaks perfect, in my opinion. He's fine. Man. He's good. <laughs> but Brian laid on his back to help build the new stars. What is the message of Dune if you're putting that as your roar of a winner? So my prediction, if I have to give you two, yes, I would say Keefley. Maybe he challenges Roman instead of Drew. That's a good sword because you don't have to specifically challenge the guy that you win on your brand. Have him go to SmackDown, if anything. Or it could be Daniel Bryan, and we'll see where that comes with that. But as long as the story is good. Because Lee, remember, they got to make him into a monster again. They got to make him into a juggernaut. This was the guy who held not one but two championships in NXT. At the same time, North American champion had a great run and he had the NXT title and then he lost to Karrion Cross, who's back, by the way, and I love it. Um, but then you have Daniel Bryan, who he knows he's on his last legs. He's saying that he's going to go back to being a part timer. He's going to work on creative. So maybe you want to give him one last shot. But what do you accomplish in having him win the Royal Rumble just to win at Mania again? Because he already did that before in the triple threat between Randy Orton, Batista, and him. And I, I think it was WrestleMania. 28 but i gotta really look back into it that's just great he wrestled twice that night though so what are you doing given the rope because it's not like austin who challenged rock a couple years in a row and it's not like sean who is mr back-to-back and i believe failed the first time or did he beat psycho set but did he beat psycho set or well i gotta get it's too much wrestling yeah um or you know and then go against the iron man match against bret hart because they already had that built in history Gotta make it work for the story. So Keith Lee, make it to a juggernaut, but where are you comfortable with Daniel Bryan, who's trying to build all these new stars by giving him moments that he, he's already had his WrestleMania moment. I don't think he accomplished much. If anything, if you want to give somebody a WrestleMania moment who has short time in his career, you give it to AJ Styles. I think he's only got two years left on his contract. He's going to retire afterwards. He's 43. Um, put He was the one who did the gif, you know, the one who got who caught the guy and hit the finisher that I sent yeah, you because yeah, he got a British yeah. mm-hmm. I'm so high on him, it's ridiculous. And I think to capitalize him is to give him his Royal Rumble win and give him his main event at Mania that doesn't suck. Because he put on the best match with Shane and that Mania. His match with um, Shinsuke was fine, but not the best that he could do. So if you give him something, and him and Drew already feuded and they had a great TLC match, you can continue it there. Or you can have him revisit against Roman, if anything. Because really, it doesn't matter about guys being on brands for a short amount of time. Just make the match happen. That's really what I got for you. Okay. Oh, follow-up question. Can Edge compete in the Rumble? Uh, oh, he could, but he got hurt with the tricep story. Oh, yeah. he hurt his triceps That's at Backlash, but we don't know if he's cleared yet. Mm-hmm. But if you did it, it would be good, but it's not fully set yet. Because here's the thing. I think Vince would keep that injury mum of when he's going to be recovered. But I, I do think Edge would get a WrestleMania match. But triceps are usually out seven and nine months. Yeah. Yikes. All and right. that's Freddie said he's old, so do you want to give him a title? Mm. I might give it to Goldberg, right? <laughs> well, but the, it's different. Okay, and, and you want to know why it's different? Mm-hmm. It's because 
Goldberg, he's only contracted for a couple times a year, so you can give him a title in a short distance of time. Mm. Because when he won, and I'll keep at this because I know we still a lot of time. Goldberg beat Kevin Owens at Fastlane, right? Won the Universal Championship. The only other match he had prior to that, besides entering the Royal Rumble and being eliminated by uh, Undertaker, was Brock at Survivor Series in a 90-second match. So he wins it at Royal Rumble. Oh, I'm sorry. He wins that fast lane, loses to Brock Lesnar at that WrestleMania. It's a short time frame for story purpose. Vince is sadly smarter than the average bear when it comes to that. Okay. All right. So an extended cage there at the end. But that was that was fun. Nice. We got some questions. Thank you, Rossi, for throwing those questions out to our guru, Senor Charles. And we're out though. That's it. We're two plus hours. See everybody. We'll see you for next week's episode, number 90. We're almost there, almost 100. Almost there. Ciao. Take care.